The Gold Card Podcast is brought to you by the Esports Department. Gain access to the tools, projections, and analysis trusted by the best for League of Legends and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Join today at theesportsdepartment.com. Welcome to episode 74 of the Gold Card Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Vince Colotti, at Gelati, LOL on Twitter. With me tonight, we've got John George at the Esports Plug. How are we doing, everybody? Uh, Josh Roberts at Roberts number 49 will not be joining us this week. Chris Chung at Prime, LOL, will be hopping in in a little bit. But with us tonight, we've got a special guest. We've got Alan Heffelfinger at LCS Picks on Twitter. Thanks for joining us, Alan. What up, what up? Honored to be here. Thank you very much. Long time listener, uh, first time guest. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, so uh, we're trying to get some more guests on. We got a lot, uh, lots of stuff to get to this week. Um, it's it's kind of weird. There's no matches this week. So we've got kind of the uh, the calm before the storm before World starts up in a couple weeks. But uh, we got a lot of stuff we're going to get to. We're going to talk about uh, the finals and semifinals that happened this past weekend in uh, three of the four major regions. The LPL obviously was already done. Um, we'll touch on EU Masters, which John and Alan have been paying close attention to. Uh, a couple news pieces, the World's Patch, and we've got a boatload of listener questions we're going to try to get through before we finally touch on some big picture topics for the World Championship starting up in a couple of weeks. So, first of all, how's everybody? Do- how are you guys doing today? Everybody having a good? Everyone having a good week? Yeah, pretty good, man. Just got back from vacation. I didn't. Uh... I tried to watch as much as I could while I was on vacation and then tried to catch up when I got back, but I still don't feel as dialed in as if I was watching everything live. Yeah, yeah, it's not been a bad week. Uh, we got some crazy fires going on around here right now, so just kind of a good time to sit in and, and watch some European Masters for me, for sure. Because yeah, you're out West Coast right now, so you're yeah, be safe with all that because that's obviously impacting a lot of people. Uh, I see yeah. people sending pictures of like just the – orange and red skies that's terrifying it's pretty it's pretty wild i mean i said to my wife last night i was like amidst everything in 2020 you forgot that uh we also have kind of irreparably harmed our planet yeah yeah (laughs) there's a whole lot of whole lot of stuff going on (laughs) you end up things getting uh forgotten and everything so all right, uh, so I, I figure the first thing we wanted to touch on, and we've got a lot of like big picture topics this week. We're, the show's going to be a little bit out of structure compared to normal since there's no matches this week, so we're going to kind of freewheel and have a conversation about a couple, uh, you know, more than a couple of things here. So I figure we'll touch on, uh, you guys want to do the LEC or LCS first. Let's, we're we're going to talk over the semifinals and finals in a couple of these leagues. Uh, let's do the LCS first, because uh, so we had uh, TSM, who was it? So the, not the finals. It was TSM versus Liquid. Uh, th- questions, comments, concerns on this series. My disappointment is immeasurable. Then, <laughs> absolutely immeasurable. There is no worse result than TSM winning the LCS. Like it's not even close. There's no other team <laughs> that comes close to being as disappointing of a result. Team Liquid wins. It's like you know, cool comeback story. Golden Guardian somehow manages to win. Wow, what a story! FlyQuest. Underestimated by everybody. Cloud9, greatest season in history. 
or just fucking double lift just wines all year and then you're carrying everybody and they just win a championship. Biofrost is terrible and just comes back and suddenly they're good. Oh man, I'm mad about that. I'm mad about all of it. My my buddy messaged me like the night like the next day. He was like, "Does this feel like the wettest fart to you?" I was just like, "That's got to be like the best description for it I've heard." Like, I, I so like let's let's we'll go series by series here. Um, the the TSM liquids here. I, I give credit go to back. TSM. Back. What are we back going back one. to? Golden Guardians versus TSM. Golden Guardians oh, okay. up 2 Oh, yeah, uh, the reverse sweep. Okay, so yeah, we'll FBI, go to the reverse sweep. FBI clashing forward on Kalista in Game 5 somehow becomes the championship-defining moment for TSM. Oh, it's so painful. <laughs> they weren't supposed to win that series, Vince. They were supposed to lose to Golden Guardians. That's what was supposed <laughs> to happen. That was... Absolutely, Golden Guardians was never losing that game, and then the hero play. I get it; it's me. I, I do it every game, but I, I understand. But oh, it's painful. I what did so- they? What did they do to Spica? Like, when did he become a very like not even just a passable jungler? Because he's been a passable jungler yeah. all season long. But like, he he was the best jungler in playoffs. Like, I don't yeah. understand what happened to him. Guy he ate his Wheaties, Wheaties, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just gonna say like. I don't know. We so going into the season, I think we all had very low expectations. I, I honestly expected he might be like one of the worst players in the league, but it wouldn't have mattered that much because of the team he was on, right? And it's pretty easy as the jungler to look good if your lanes are really good, and that's kind of been the case with TSM. But it wasn't always the case, and he definitely took over some of these games. Like not not by himself, but he was a key part in taking over a lot of these games. Like yeah. he I mean, really he impressed me. Yeah, he, I mean, Jungle basically took over as, you know, the main, one of the main carry roles, right, mm-hmm. in these playoffs, and he just did it. Like, I was not expecting that from him at all. So. Yeah, and he was yeah. doing it with everything, too. It, was, it wasn't just like he was playing, I mean, he was playing, obviously, a lot of, like, the, the more, like, tempo farming, like, carry junglers, but he also had, like, his set was his most played, which is, like, just purely a ganking jungler. He had some. He had what, Shen, Skarner, Evelyn. He had like literally everything. Played like you know a smattering of everything. <laughs> By the way, I didn't mean I meant to comment on this. TSM played twenty five playoff games. They played like seven more games than they played in the regular season. Hashtag best of ones is stupid. But <laughs> <laughs> like, d- so I'll say this: like, you you really can't say the TSM didn't deserve this, right? Like I think they played better than you everybody. absolutely can, Vince, and I will. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Bearson pulled the. Uh, I put it on Twitter. I think he pulled the Dave Lillard. He said, "Put some fucking respect on my name." <laughs> he he was just absolutely nasty in a couple of those games. Like, yeah. yeah, I I don't know. I don't know where you guys rank him in like world's mid laners, but he's. I don't know. Every time he's tested like that, he's he comes up. It's crazy. You want to talk about like the world's biggest backpack? Like, it's it is it is crazy too because you would think that with like just looking at this team on paper that he wouldn't have to do stuff like that. But him and Spika like definitely there were probably half the games in their playoffs were just like get on my back. You know, it wasn't like any kind of crazy debate about any. It was just nuts. I, the 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 train meme just gets me every time. Have you seen this thing? The picture of Bjergsen like photoshopped on the train with all the Storm TSM <laughs> history around it. It's outstanding. It's outstanding. yeah. I saw you tweet that one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the reverse sweep against Golden Guardians. 
Then going, they started the playoffs going 0-5 against Golden Guardians. And then they like two of the last three games in that series they really probably should have lost. Yeah. I so can see even that. even after they beat Golden Guardians, you're like, there's no way this team's doing anything. Like they're basically they were like one and six or whatever, two and six really realistically against Golden Guardians, and that's all their playoff games so far. It's like no way you should be expecting them to ever even consider winning the playoffs. So I just knew though. I knew going into the finals, Vince. FlyQuest and everyone was talking about FlyQuest and they're great this season and they just beat Team Liquid. I was like, man, FlyQuest's just not going to win. I'm a FlyQuest fan. <laughs> like, they're just not going to win, dude. They're just never going to do it. It's a Patriots-Falcons so situation. Yeah, you just know. You just feel it in your bones. You just know There's it. There's just no chance that they're walking out of here. They're like, FlyQuest is our LCS champions. Like, that's they're just never going to happen. I don't know. It just makes me sad. <laughs> and then you add on, then you add on like the whole pause and Turtle had to relocate and all this <laughs> That yeah. was weird, but it seemed to turn it a little bit for FlyQuest. Yeah. That was a fun series to watch. I mean, I yeah. guess we'll, we'll jump to the. I, I, do we have any comments on Liquid? I, I mean, I kind of I wrote this in my breakdown for that series, but like when you have two teams that play pretty similarly like that, like it's just going to be closer than people think. It's just always going to be the case, right? I was and, a little bit. Oh, and then no, that's a, that's all I had. Go for it. I was just going to say I was a little bit disappointed in tactical even though he had a great year, because the series before that was kind of like his breakout series against FlyQuest, even though they lost, he had a really big, like, pulled out the backpack game where he was just a monster. And so my prediction going into Liquid versus TSM was, I really think TSM's going to struggle against a better bot lane. Like, I really think Core JJ and if Tactical's playing the way he was playing against FlyQuest, I think they're going to struggle. But then they kind of came out and they just didn't look good against TSM. TSM had the better bot lane in that series on the day. So, yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed there, but. Yeah, I mean, that was all of FlyQuest's, or not FlyQuest, Golden Guardian's win condition in the in the first series, right? Like, they just beat him in the bot lane. Double yeah. lift played terrible. And I kind of thought the same thing. I thought Team Liquid would come in and uh, be able to win through their bot lane, but they didn't. Jensen feels like the, the anti-Bjergsen to me, though. Like, he just never puts respect on his fucking name. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I just... <laughs> There's something to be said for that, though, because, like, how many times – I don't want to say, like, he's a choke artist because I don't think it's that extreme, but he is starting to develop a little bit of that reputation of, like, not performing when it matters. He's and... kind of like a reverse power of evil for me. Like, power of evil for me is, like, has huge ceiling, but he can also have some kind of bonehead games, and Jensen just feels these days much more consistent. I thought he was more of a superstar, like, three years ago. These yeah. days, I feel like I rarely ever. I'm like, wow, Jensen's popping off this game. Like he just is all right. Doesn't solid. he feel a little bit like mid career Bjergsen, where like there was a, yeah. a, like I mean, obviously he's kind of like elevated again this year, and it's not like Bjergsen was ever bad. It was just a matter of like, if your floor is I'm a consistent top two or three mid laner, that's pretty good. Like you're a good player if that's your floor, but it does feel a little bit like he's he's kind of stopped trying to carry. Which yeah, I think see, is generally a good thing, but in a series like this, you you need someone to step up, and nobody stepped up in this series, I don't think, really. He seems very risk-averse. I think what you said is, yeah. like, exactly right. He's kind of like old Bjergsen, where you would always question when TSM got in those big moments, like, who's making the call to back off here? And it just, the only uh, consistent theme was Bjergsen, right? Yeah. And I remember, too, like, I remember when Bjergsen first started... By the way, I want to point this out, too. When Bjergsen first started playing Zillion, everybody hated it. 
everybody. I will call anyone out that didn't like it because you were all shitting on this for years. For years you didn't like this pick. Oh, why are you putting him on a supportive champion? Oh, Cho'Gath, Zillion, Karma, why is he playing these champions? If he's good at him, he's good at him. He's going to carry a game anyway, right? People used to dump on that all the time. I, I do think a couple of these Zillion wins in playoffs were not all him. Like, they were winning these games anyway. But, like, the, the fact that he's pulling bands on that champion is just hilarious to me. Like, that All year he's been doing it, too. So, uh, th- dude, th- I will say the TSM Liquid Series turned into, like, an absolute slobber knocker. Like, it, it was it wasn't, it was looking like TSM took that first game and that Liquid, like, figured it out. And like, okay, here we go. It's gonna, they're going to win three in a row. It's going to be three to one. And then you have, like, those two crazy long games to finish it. Uh, any thoughts on Liquid TSM or we want to hop on to the finals just real fast? Yeah, other than my thoughts about the bot lane. I'll okay, say this, right. too. Broxa had a better series than I think a lot of people thought he was going to in this series. Like, he kind of – I mean, obviously one series does not remedy all evils, but he shut up a lot of the haters, I think. In That uh, was worth mentioning. Yeah. Because I, I think you're right. He, he had kind of a mediocre split in general, but he had a good, really good playoffs overall. Yeah. I think people – all the all the memes about him being oo and O at 25 minutes or whatever aside, he kind of – you know that that doesn't always mean that he's just like a KBA player or anything like this. We've gone into this conversation a million times, but uh, I thought he actually played better, like a lot better in playoffs than he did um, during the regular season. So, finals TSM FlyQuest was also kind of interesting. Um, I think I, the cool thing about this is I think these two teams ended up having the best read on where the meta currently is right now. And I think that was a big part of why they're in finals too. Um, any, you know, that, that, that was like my biggest takeaway from all this. I think both these teams played pretty well in this series. I don't think it was really, you know, too lopsided one way or the other. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think that uh, I was pretty low on FlyQuest coming into the playoffs just because I don't, I still don't really like their talent, but I, they just kept doing it. And Wild Turtle had his best split, and so uh, and they figured out that carry jungle meta meta with Santorin or farming jungle meta, I suppose, is more like it with Santorin. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, I I I kind of thought that they were gonna get swept by TSM at the beginning of that series. Yeah, um, I mean, it was looking like that for a second. Then you had the weird the weird pause the turtle relocation by the way like i don't think people realize how insanely difficult it is to keep your concentration and all that through those kind of things we saw it in the dragon x gen g situation in playoffs as well like you 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 kind of want to throw some of these out a little bit like in your head you'd be like oh there's an asterisk next to this you know but there is a certain amount that you know preparation and being able to focus and maintain concentration and all that like that's a skill like it's not easy to do and, you know, we've seen over the years a couple situations like that. I don't think we've ever seen, like, an actual relocation. Not since, like, the days where we didn't have Chrono Shift and we just had to, like, reschedule the match when there were bugs like this. But it's Funny been a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for so those what... that don't know, they didn't used to have Chrono Break. You don't want to live through that. I promise you. Mm-hmm. There were There were world championship games that had to be, like, postponed. Just, like, replayed. So was the situation that turtle was playing from his apartment and yes. then 
Oh, okay. Yeah, there were um so FlyQuest plays their play every team's handling this differently too, by the way. Like not every team is playing at their facility and not every team is playing remotely. Some of them mix and match, some of them have two and three, like so FlyQuest is one of the teams that was playing remotely and his power went out and it wasn't coming back on, so he had to go to the actual FlyQuest facility and, and plug in from there. So it ended up being what, like an hour and a half delay or something like that when it was all said and done. It's pretty cool. It was yeah, it was pretty long. It's pretty wild. Um, speaking of Wild Turtle, by the way, like what a renaissance, right? Uh, that guy, I don't know what happened, but he like reinvented himself this year, this season. This he's, he's like not even. The, he's literally the opposite player. Yeah, I don't know if, if we've seen this a couple times with a couple of the old vets. I really think a lot of the times people think the the storyline in their mind is the guy's getting old and so he's getting worse. And I think a lot of times it's actually just like lack of motivation. You've been doing it for a long time. You don't put in the same practice regimen that you used to put in. You're a little bit bored by just grinding solo queue. And so you just get a little worse just because you're not really that motivated. And you're, you know, anybody that's worked at like even just a normal job, your first like six months at a new job, you know, you're trying really hard to impress everybody or whatever. You get there for two or three years. You're like, ah, I got 20 minutes. I can relax here. You know, I mean, they're just doing the same thing most likely, I think, you know, after a while. But yeah. what about getting caught in side lanes? Like, where did that wild turtle go? For my That's gambling what I mean. sake. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, what I mean. Like, what? Ha- like, he was so disciplined. Like, all yeah. playoffs, really, like, all season. Like, once he came back in, it was like a new person. It was like we were looking at, um, I'm trying to think of... Honestly, it was it was, it was was like when, like, Stixay first started playing. Like, he, he was just hyper-risk-averse. Just super, like, he was just all about, like, steady positioning. He would never go for the outplay. He just, like, you know, I'm going to do my job, right? It was never, like, towing that line. Never, like, so, like, Wild Turtle hard carried some games in the past doing that, but he threw away more games than he hard carried doing that, right? It's like the Jackie Love syndrome, right? Where, you know, if you're if you're one of these 80 carries that's playing aggressively like that, trying to tow that line, you can get yourself in trouble doing it. And he just, like, completely reversed course. Like, I don't know if this was just the coaching staff saying, like, look, this is the way it is right now. Because, like, or it, it could have just been the team playing around him. Like, they, the, FlyQuest basically just played these phalanx comps every game. Like, these two core phalanx compositions where, you know, they had this big front line for him. They created space for him. So, maybe that had something to do with it, too. And he just, he's like, just right-click whatever's in front of you. You don't got to get fancy about it. But, yeah, it was yeah. Uh, interesting seeing his, his – uh, I'll call it a renaissance because, like, he's literally the opposite player. He's been the opposite player for his entire career, which is crazy to me. So, um, any final closing thoughts on NA besides the the Empire losing or the Empire going, you know, winning it and going to Worlds, John? So, the only – there was one upside to this finals, which is solo backers were just mauling in the finals, dude. Solo backers were just in shambles. Let me ask you a serious question here. What are the chances? We've seen this before with like whole teams, but not as much with individual players. What are the chances that he was basically riding a wave of momentum and he's just garbage next season? Uh, I think it's meta dependent. I think there's like a really reasonable chance that like next year solo is just garbage. After having a great season, I'm not taking anything away from him. He had a great season. He played very, very well. Best top laner in the league for much of it. Something tells me that, like, spring 2021, Solo is just going to be terrible. I think Solo is a role player. I and and I, I don't think you can really it's, – it's, 
it's hard to call those people terrible unless they just get bad at, at their their role. Yeah, I mean, it's more like what we saw with like who was a good example in the LPL. There was like three teams in the LPL that were just fantastic until they weren't fantastic anymore, and that's that's like what I think is going to happen to him is like when you have a couple picks that you're really good at and you play a kind of consistent style. People can eventually, if they want to, kind of figure out what you're doing and yeah. take advantage of it. I mean, he didn't play a lot of champions. He played, like, the same handful of champions every single game. Like, the Gangplank was the only real carry he played, right? And Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's just, like, a, a weak side top laner, and he's very good at fitting that role. But if he's attacked in that role, he, uh, we saw, doesn't perform. Yeah, and I'll give him credit, too. Like, he actually was pretty good even when he was attacked, which made him you know, good at his job. Like that's what weak side top laning is all about is like, you know, minimizing your losses. And he was, I'll give him credit. Like he's, re- he's a smart player. Like he, he makes pretty conscious decisions. He understands his role in the team and he's very good at it. And he even, you know, can carry like, hold, give him Orin whole turn, you know, one V ones in his favor sometimes. And Orin just does that, but you know, uh, but like, this is kind of, I don't want to call it exactly like the game goon situation. Cause game goon, I think is obviously, a different level of talent, but it kind of felt that way to me where it's like, because he's so linear, it's a little bit easier to game plan against them. Like you don't have to expect a Jax or a Camille out of him. Like he's not going to play those champions. Right. So when you have, this is kind of what I talk about with like draft equity and being linear, like not, not so much in the amount of champions you play more so in like the types of champions you play. Right. You need to be able to show at least something now, he had the Gangplank as his at least something, but Gangplank is also, you know, a champion that suffers against the same kinds of champions. So, I think Solo needs to develop, like, one or two champions that he can threaten as, like, a carry top laner, and that'll be, like, his next career development. I think that's, like, the best thing he could do. Yeah, they could get a positional coach like Viper, and then, you know, if <laughs> the meta turns around, you know, they swap him, you know? Yeah, I mean, so I, we, and we saw a TSM play, it was it was like Camille twice, Jax, and then J, was it Jace twice or Jax? Twice? It was Jace twice and Jax, right? In the finals, I think it was. And, I mean, those champions all kind of dunk on Orn. And credit to him, like, in a couple of these games, he just, like, you know, was able to, you know, hold the line and scale for enough. But you saw, like, eventually, like, you crack over time, right? And they just kept attacking him in side lanes. There wasn't a lot he could do about it. So, um, yeah, this was still a pretty interesting fight. It was looking like a TSM 3-0, especially with the pause and everything. I, I was kind of glad to see FlyQuest turn it back and make it interesting for sure. Um, LC, uh, LEC, any closing thoughts on LCS besides it's sad that Cloud9 is not going to be there? TSM disappointing. It's 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 good to see FlyQuest at Worlds. I think that's uh, my biggest takeaway from the LCS. Uh, even at, if it at the cost of C9, but that's C9's fault. There's nobody else they can blame yep. C9. Um, but I'm hoping to see some you know surprising performances. I think we'll have it. It's certainly has not been the first seat of NA that has performed. So I'm excited for uh, uh, FlyQuest. I'm excited for TL. Like let's see where they go. Uh, just a, I have one one more brief question, then we'll move on because we spent a lot of time on NA here. But uh, did we did NA send the three teams that are most likely to make any kind of noise at Worlds? Because I don't think they did. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that Cloud 9s style probably 
uh, tends better towards upsets, which an ENA team is going to have to do at yeah. Worlds. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't think we sent the three teams that have the best chance at Worlds. I think we sent our three best teams. I don't think that Cloud9 yeah. showed a consistent ability to adapt to the meta, but uh, I would have rather had Cloud9 there for, you know, the fanboy in me. That, well, that's, I mean, besides the fanboy part, that's exactly how I feel. Like, just by design, I don't think all of these, yeah, I think these teams are just solid, and they'll win if you screw up, but I don't really trust, especially Liquid, who are beginning to just infuriate me. Like, they're, they're just going to get picked on, I think. So, we'll see. Um, LEC, we had G2, oh my god, I forget, it was last weekend, I forget. G2 Rogue, right? Mad. Oh no, it was Rogue Matic. versus Mad. Mm-hmm. That was oh, that, we talked about that. That was last weekend. So it was G2 and Rogue this weekend, and then well, G2 Rogue. Um, G2 Rogue and Fnatic ended up being ended up being a really good series. Banger. Um, yeah, I, I'll keep saying it because it, apparently it keeps needing to be said. But Rogue are good at League of Legends, guys. Deal with it. They're good. They might be boring. You might not like. By the way, I, I'll mention this: in the in the Mad Lion series and this G two series, Rogue, they like look like they figured like just some new stuff out. Like they're just playing new stuff now. So if they have that, you know, in them, then I actually like their prospects for Worlds like more than I did before. I kind of thought they were just like the solid technical, like you know, fundamentally sound team. But if they're adding some of these other layers, I actually think they're they're reasonable if they can add enough of them. And obviously, it's different playing it against international competition. But, I mean, they were doing this against Mad Lions and G2. Like, those aren't easy teams to beat. And... Yeah, no, this, they, like they added some upset potential. I agree yeah. with you. I think we were on the same page that, like, maybe, like, they were a good team, but maybe they didn't really have the right kind of strategies to upset better teams. But then after watching these these last two series, yeah, it feels like they really have put themselves in a, in a position where they might actually be able to do that, so... Yeah, I think the other interesting part of this is, and I'll, I'll throw it to Chris and Alan in just a second, like, the other interesting part of this is how many people were saying that, like, this is going to be the team that goes to Worlds without winning a best of five and blah, 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 and all this stuff, like, where are the haters at now? Because they just, they, they kind of just whooped Mad Lions. I mean, Mad Lions, I don't think that was, like, a severe underperformance. I think Rogue just was nuts that day. I think they just had it, and Mad got caught off guard, and... um. And they had a competitive series against G two as well, so I they're they're good. <laughs> I don't really know what else to say about Rogue. If they can add that dimension, they're going to be even better. Chris, thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm excited. The Rogue showed really different looks on what we know them to be, and this is a good sign for teams that are uh, preparing themselves. It looks like they're preparing to adapt, preparing for Worlds. I'm actually more excited about this team. Um, Going to be cheering for them. Most of the times when it's the last seed of um, NA or LEC that goes to Worlds, I don't really give them too much of a chance, but Rogue might just be the one that I'm cheering for, uh, or even better than Fnatic, in my opinion. Alan? I'm kind of with two minds when it comes to Rogue. I probably was leaning towards the uh, hater side of things before, I think, but... um... I think Inspired showed up in a way that I wasn't ready for. Like him being able to play, I think he played Hecarim and, and Lilia in that series, and he was kind of a carry jungler through that series. Uh, 
gave me some confidence in them, but I do think that they have a clear weakness in the top lane that yeah. any team worth their salt is going to attack. Yeah, I kind of think they're going to probably struggle along the same lines as FlyQuest. I think they're a better team, obviously, but I, I think they're going to kind of have the same issue in that like the top laner, unless the meta develops in a way where like they can hide that to some extent, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. They're going to struggle against, like, really, really... Like, the really, really elite teams, like, the true world-class, like, you know, have a potential win this tournament kind of teams, I think they're going to struggle against. So, it's tough to imagine Finn doing that well against a Zoom or, a, or um, you know, any one of these stud top... Like, a broken blade. Bro- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude, dude. Hey, he was good in that last series. Um, then we had G2 against Rogue. We, oh, we kind of just mentioned that. Uh, this was... A sweet series too, uh, and then we had the <laughs> same as it always was: G two and Fnatic in finals, right? So uh, beautiful. After all the conversation this year about uh, you know they're they're cooked and the new guys are coming up, and they even did the entire uh, the LEC rap battle, just shitting on G two the entire time and and Fnatic. Uh, in the end, same as it ever was. Can we G2 call and I told you so in on this? I think we were so. all because like we were all saying it. Yeah, I had a fanatic to make the finals futures and all that, so those came in nice, yeah. I like I think Fnatic had more questions than G two. I think G two once they turned it on in like week seven, everyone was like, Oh, okay. Alright, well here we are and but Fnatic it was like a little of a nail biter to the end, so I think people had a lot of questions and I don't want to say it again because it's come up a bunch of times, but best of ones are stupid and don't take too many results from the regular season. That's it. That's the long and short of it. Good players are yeah. good. <laughs> uh, and this ended up being a pretty. This was a. This was a fun final. Um, it was. I think it was closer than the three zero. The first two games in particular were honestly cut. The first game. The first game was a heartbreaker. Like, am I remember? Or was it the second game? It was the second game that like Fnatic it, were like way up in. Well, it was the first. The first game. Because they almost made a comeback. That was like the 50-minute one, right? Yes, that's the first game. Yeah. Oh man. And then they tried the they tried the Zillion top, which I, I liked in that spot, but is kind of dangerous when the game goes super late like that because you don't have like a real front line. It's harder to tank Baron, etc. So I'm still very worried about perks. Um, his champion pool has not been deep at 80 carry. And he hasn't been exceptional on in the 80 carries he is playing. He's been serviceable on the 80 carries he's playing. But this is still, for me, like a far cry from him on Zaya in 2019, looking like maybe the best or one of the best 80 carries in, in the EU. I'm still a little bit worried about that for them at Worlds. Does that, does that impact your, your yeah, like your, your overall opinion on them? Do you think yeah, I think it's, get enough done? I think it's worrisome. Um, I think it makes me feel worse about them this year than I felt about them last year, but they still have a, you know, they're still a high ceiling team. Yeah. Uh, I think this series kind of exposed Nemesis too. Uh, so I'll give Fnatic credit in the last series uh, where they beat G2, had a great game plan. I absolutely loved their game plan for that series, and it was a really good way to, you know, try to neutralize Caps using the Lucian, try to try to put Nemesis on something where he can try to you know, just match, just like cancel out Caps the best he can and let the rest of the map do work, and it was a great plan to do that. 
And I said going into this next series, like, there's just no way G2 is going to let that happen again. And unless he has, like, other picks to do the same thing, it's going to end up, you know, he's going to end up exposed. And they try to make the Corky work, and I really don't think Corky's that good right now, uh, just in general. Like, how many both of these games he got himself behind and had, you know, call and then took tier also. It's like, okay, you're just surrendering for the next 15 minutes. Like, you, you just can't do that kind of thing. It's like a safe pick that scales really well, which is why people think it can work. But against a good tempo team like G2, you just can't afford to do that, right? They're just going to run you over. It was the same as the Cassidy pick in the first series. Like, you just can't afford to do that. They're just going to run you over. Um, I think I think Europe sent their four best teams, just to put a bow on this one before we go you know, too far in the weeds on this. Uh, any objections to that? I think it's pretty clear that they did, right? Not at all. There's, these are the four teams that I want to see and four teams that got in. Different order than I expected. I mean, for the second, I mean, the third and fourth spot, but hey, we have these four going in. Well, summer maybe. Spring, we had OG yeah. for some reason. Yeah, a little crazy. Um, LCK. Uh, so the LCK's three teams are now set as of this morning. Uh, I think, I guess we can kind of work backwards through the LCK because unlike the other regions, the LCK gauntlet just finished, you know, Monday, Tuesday, and today. We're recording Wednesday night. So. I mean, hopefully everyone's watched it. If not, then this is your fault because you're going to have a couple days to watch this. But so Korea is sending Damwon, DragonX, and Gen.G. In my opinion, they are sending their three best teams. There's some people that would disagree with that. But I guess the elephant in the room here, we'll take, we'll talk about this, right? This is a, this is a pretty big deal and we didn't record anything. So this is an interesting topic, I think. So for the regional gauntlet, on Tuesday against the Freak of Freaks, about an hour and a half before game time, T1 announced that they're going to be starting Elam, Faker, and Gumiusi, the prospect that's been in their system for a while. Um, little fun trivia fact, he is the younger brother of StarCraft Pro Innovation, one of the best of all time. Uh, pretty fascinating. Runs in the family, I suppose. Uh, has been a prospect on this team, has been top... 510 in solo queue for the vast majority of the last two years. Guy's a mechanical savage. He's a beast. But the only thing he did wrong was sit behind Teddy. So it's kind of like an Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre situation a little bit, right? Where, you know, you have one of the best of all time and you know, it's pretty tough to get your shot when that happens, right? So really crazy. T1 lost to Freaka last week in the best of three. I think it was a little bit of an under, you know, it was a big underperformance in game three, but I think, you know, they got kind of shocked. It was a shocker. Big upset. They were seven minus 700 favorites in that series. And Afrika pulls the upset during the actual playoffs. They have to play against Freak again. How ballsy is it to start a, a rookie that's never played a, a, a stage game? That's crazy. T1 never, uh, Never ceases to amaze me with this kind of stuff. They yeah. do this kind of stuff so often, and I can't believe it, that they're just willing to just throw out. Like, every time I'm like, oh, they're probably just playing this guy to get him some stage time or something. Like, not not in the playoffs, obviously, yeah, but yeah. they'll always just start playing a rookie, and I'm like, I, I guess it's just – and they're like, nah, we're just going to play him. Like, he's just good. Our, our backups are just so good, we can just afford to play them like this. It's just We've said it time and time again. This organization is – everyone should model themselves after them. But, uh, go ahead, Alan, it seems like – Yeah, they just, they just don't care. I mean, they remind me of, like, a great uh, European soccer club, right, where they just, they just have – kids coming up the whole time and then all of a sudden they're like we're gonna throw this 17 year old out here for a champions league semi-final and 
and he's just great. He breaks down the whole team, right? So T1's the exact same way. They just know that their infrastructure is better than everyone else's, and they can trust whoever they put in there. Yeah, I know there's been a lot of – I mean, we're going to try to avoid – I guess we'll touch on it, but, like, there's been a lot of speculation about how, you know, uh, maybe the shot calling wasn't going well with Teddy and Cuz in the lineup. I, I honestly think the Ellen for Cuz thing – we've seen Ellen. Ellen's been really good when he's played. Like, this isn't – that one didn't shock me as much because Cuz was terrible in that last season, even or in that last series. Even the game they won, he was not good. And then, in my opinion, he single-handedly lost them game three, just, like, in the first three minutes of the game. So – I, him getting benched doesn't surprise me. The fact that Teddy, I mean, this is Teddy. This isn't like some middle of the road eighty carries a stud, right? This is the guy that basically carried your team for three quarters of the season, even while everything else was happening, and to put the rookie in. I mean, it, it's just crazy. It's just crazy to me for even a team like T one, where like I'm not too surprised by this to do this with your season on the line was crazy to me. And- just in case people hadn't heard the rumor. Uh, the rumor that's been going around about that situation and no confirmation whatsoever, but rumor is cuz and Teddy wanted to play a different style than Faker wanted to play. And there's been a like arguments basically within the team about which style to play. So basically T one said, okay, cuz and Teddy, if you're right, here's closer, go out there and win. And then they lost to a freak of freaks. And then they said, okay, Faker, if you think it's going to work better with, without their style, then here's Gumi, you see an Elam show us what you got. And didn't seem to really work either way. Well, it did. I mean, it did work against Afrika, but I think, and I kind of touched on this going into the series today, but uh, I think people forgot that Afrika, just because they won, I think people are forgot that Afrika are significantly worse than the top four teams. Yeah, definitely. Like, they're pretty clearly the best of the rest, I think, at this point, but, I mean, the season's over, but they're a very, very far cry from the other, the other three Elite Four teams, so... I think there was a little bit of an overreaction today, like going into today, and there was a lot of. I mean, T one has a huge fan base, which is another part of this, especially in the east or in the west, where you know they're a three time world champion. They have like the most iconic name ever. Uh, you know, people like them here. It's like one. If if you had to ask a Western player or a Western fan which Eastern team they're like, they if they had to watch one Eastern team that they're going to tune into their games for, it's T one every time. The viewership, the Twitch viewership numbers are always way higher for T one games. Uh, so I think there's a little bit of that baked into all this like upset, and I mean I guess we'll just mention it, but like Gen G just stomped T1 this morning. It was a three zero. Um, so T1's not going to Worlds, which feels kind of bad. I don't want to get too bogged down in this, but I did want to mention that elephant in the room, which is just like how crazy is that to to start these guys? I don't think this means anything necessarily for the future. Like Teddy signed an extension, Faker's not retiring. This isn't the end for Faker. Like the I think we could see a timeshare next season. Uh, maybe Cuz is out, but um, yeah, I I don't think this is like the end because everybody gets all doom and gloom about this stuff. But yeah, I do think there's a little too much smoke for there not to be fire on the personality side. Yeah. I mean, like there's way too many mid-season roster swaps for there not to be a little something going on there, which is a little bit sad with Faker and Teddy, you know, but. Hopefully they can get it back together. Yeah, and I mean maybe just a new, maybe just a full off season with LM helps or something. Like maybe it's just a new somebody to tie it all together. Who knows? Um, it is a bummer. I mean, the, I guess the bigger picture is like LCK is not getting four teams, so one of these elite four wasn't going to make it. We've talked about that a lot. Um, so I think we all kind of did. Anybody think it wasn't going to be T one? 
We kind of talked about this last. I think we were split last week, weren't we? I think Josh thought I really, really hoped that it was going to be T1, even though I knew that Gen G has been better this season. Yeah. Like, I mean, I said this on Twitter, but like, look, at some point during Worlds, there's going to be a video package. And in that video package, there's going to be really exciting music. And at some point in that exciting music, it's going to calm down. And when it calms down to nothing, Baker's face is supposed to be there to turn towards the camera real slowly. Or anime faker. <laughs> and not having his face turned towards the camera slowly is just a big letdown. That's all That's all I can really say about that. I know. No faker, no Uzi to, like, punch at the camera. What are we going to oh, do? God, no Uzi either. <laughs> oh, no. Dude, there is uh, the last – the. I guess the previous three world champion mid laners aren't going to be there this year, which is kind of wild. It's crazy to me. Uh, and I guess the most annoying part about all this is like all the talk of his faker done. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just going to hate. I'm going to hate hot stove season so much this season. I'm, I'm telling you right now. I'm, I'm going to be going out there doing. I'm going to be going to war this off season. I promise you. Um. So I, I guess we did, we didn't really talk about the finals. The finals was uh, Damwon Dragon X, and I thought Dragon X might be able to make it competitive, but Damwon just showed you that they were not screwing around with this. Oh my gosh! No power outage would save that Dragon X from this one. No. That was stomping. <laughs> oh man, uh, I guess we do we we haven't had a show since that last one either. But there was a so Dragon X Gen G. There was a power outage. They had to go to the live servers. There was a whole lot of drama and speculation about that. I think people are looking way too much into that, saying that, that the power outage saved them or whatever. I think, like... Vince, no, I was on Gen G's side, so obviously <laughs> there was conspiracy. <laughs> people are working against my now bets at the LCK. Yeah. <laughs> There's issues. The no, I really, I really do believe that Gen G is a better team than Dragon yeah. X. Yeah, I around, do too. All around, yeah. It's, it's, so I, I just think it doesn't surprise me that they won a series, though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and... It was just Chovy. Like Chovy just put BDD in in the dumpster. Yeah, it was crazy. And by the way, BDD is one of the best mid laners on the planet. So I, I mean, you saw it today. Like Faker had a pretty good series today. Like I think Faker probably had the strongest series on T one today of anybody. But BDD just put him in the kind of didn't put him in the dumpster, but BDD outplayed him too. How good is Chovy? I mean, he was the episode last week. He's the, the COO. Oh, my God. I hope we get to see Chovy Knight. I hope we get to see Chovy Knight. I want to see it so bad. That's going to be great. Um, so, yeah, those are going to be three representatives for for Korea. I do think Korea sending their three best teams. Uh, any disagreement there? No, I think that's true. That's right. No, that's right. It's just they have four world's caliber team, but they can only send three. Yeah. Thank you. So All right. Um. So, I wrote here we wanted to touch on EU Masters. Uh, I'm going to give the floor to Alan and John on this one because you guys have been following this tournament a lot more closely than I have. But it is the only uh, game in town this week and for most of next week too, I think, right? So, you know, we might as well touch on it. And, you know, we've touched on a little bit here and there. Uh, but, you know, where are we at? Who's good? Who's not good? You know, give us give us the rundown. Who wants to who wants to open for this? Why don't I do? Uh, I'll do Group A and B, and you can do C and D if you want to pop them up. Um, so we're we're playing the second round robin on the, in the group stage to see who's going to make the uh, the playoffs. Uh, today we had the first second round, and they do the same thing they do at Worlds, where like the first week is 
group A plays and then B plays and then C plays and then D plays or whatever. But then the second week, it's all the games from group A in one day to finish the group off. So we had that today with group B. Um, uh, a go rogue who came third, third, fourth, fourth last EU Masters uh, locked up their locked up their position in the playoffs. And then we're going to have a playoff between Movistar Riders and Gamer Legion. Gamer Legion uh, had a 3-0 today, which I was not expecting at all. I, I had a little type about that on Twitter as well. I did not see them 3-0ing today, but now they got a shot against Movistar Riders. Uh, Movistar Riders uh, came third in the last DU Masters. Or God, why can I not even? Yes, I believe so. Um, uh, and they're they're. I, I would expect them to be Gamer Legion. Even with the 3-0 today, I think they'll probably make it in. Uh, Group A is Shulka. Kick Neo Surf, LDLC, and Samsung Morningstars, which I think is the toughest group in the entire tournament. And I think for me, I think Kick is going to find their way out. Uh, the runner-ups from last EU Masters. It's for me, it's between LDLC and Shalka as far as who's going to be the second team that's likely to get out of that group. Samsung Morningstars has been a little tougher than people might have expected, but I still think you're going to see either Shalka or LDLC get out. I'm going with Shalka. I think Tinks has been just as good this year as he was last year, but not good enough to carry Bando, basically. This is, this is how is how I would put it. I mean, they still look pretty good, but I, I think Schalke is going to find a way to get out this time. People forget that it was a little bit of an upset that Schalke didn't get out last time. So, in any case, that's my that's my thoughts. I think it's going to be Kick, uh, Schalke, a Go Rogue, and Movistar Riders getting out of those two groups. Yeah, I think I would agree with what uh, John gave you there for those. And then Group C. They have uh, Misfits Premier, Vodafone Giants from Spain, uh, WL Gaming Esports, which is from a team from Greece, and uh, Seven More Seven Pompa team. And Seven More Seven actually is from Poland, which has been pretty historically strong at EU Masters, but they went 0-3 in their first week. So I'm guessing tomorrow they are, or whenever they play, it won't be tomorrow. Uh, they're going to be humongous underdogs against Vodafone and Misfits Premier, and I don't think they're quite that bad. So that might be an opportunity to look for. And then that Greek team, WL Gaming, has also been okay, but I would expect Vodafone and Misfits Premier to get out. Um, if you're going to look for a fade spot with 7 more 7, I would look for it against Vodafone over Misfits Premier. Misfits Premier has kind of looked like the best team in the tournament, don't you think, John? Yeah, they're they're like in my top three teams in the whole event so far. I think they've looked really good. Yeah. And then Group D is uh, Fnatic Rising, Gamers Origin, Mouse Esports, and Intrepid Fox Gaming. Intrepid Fox is uh, another one of the Greek teams. I don't think they're as good as WL Gaming. I, they went 0-3 in the first week. I would expect them to go 0-3 again. Um I don't really like the teams from the UK region. I don't I haven't really liked what I've seen from them, so Fnatic Rising is two and one, so that might be a little opportunity to um, to fade them. And I I would expect Gamers Origin and Mouse Esports to get out. Mouse is a pretty good team too. They have a leader on it, and he's you know always good to carry a couple games for sure. He's a monster. <laughs> he is kind of a monster. I don't understand really why he hasn't made the bump up. I think it's a champion pool thing. Because, like, Special was definitely worse than him at the last EU Masters. And Special got the bump up, and 
there were multiple mid laners that I would have rather had over special, but I think it's because special was playing that control mage style. Yeah, and I mean, we did get to see leader in the LEC for yeah. about half a season. It fits, right? Yeah, and yeah. it was very. It was kind of what you were saying is he was mostly stuck on like the Irelias and like hard carry champions, and he just wasn't finding the same success against yeah, the ba- higher level competition. He basically plays Silas every game right now, so yeah, I could see that <clears throat> for sure. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, just what he played in the 12 games he played last summer. Uh, for Europe, he played summer 2019 for Misfits, and uh, yeah, Yasuo Silas, I really is Zed, Kiana, and Akali, just no control mages, just all outplay machines, so definitely interesting there. It's probably what it was, I would imagine, right? Yeah, one kid I wanted to talk about is Czech Lod. I think that LCS teams should be uh, calling him right now. Like, Immortals, CLG, anybody with a questionable mid laner should be making calls about this kid. I honestly think he's worth a uh, an international spot. And also, I, I put on Twitter that I thought CLG should call, and uh, the kid liked my tweet. So, you know, CLG... <laughs> Immortals, reach out to me. I have a line in with Checklod now. I just expect a tiny finder's fee, and uh, let's let's get this <laughs> let's get this done. Yeah, there we go. Now you can be Checklod's agent. Drop him another line. Hey, buddy, you need an agent? <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. I'll reach out after this. All right. Uh, so who who's winning this thing? Just tie a bow on this, like just like right now. Obviously, I know we have more games coming next week, but like you know, looking down the road a lot, like who who were. You know who's your who's who do you think wins and who's your dark horse? Oh man, it's tough. Okay, uh, if I was gonna go hot take right now, who wins? I think Misfits Premier has looked the best. If I was gonna go dark horse, I think Movistar Riders has a decent chance of winning. They had a, a pretty rough showing today, but they also had a lot of games in their their home region in this last week where a lot of the other teams were pure focused on EU Masters. So I think now that they're back to focusing on EU Masters, I think they've got a good shot to maybe make a run at it. Uh, Yeah, I would agree with Misfits Premier. They have looked like the best team. Obviously, we've seen uh, Group B already twice. So I like to go Rogue a little bit today, although they're not playing carry junglers, which is a little concerning. And then uh, the other team I really love is Kick Neosurf. I think that uh, Mattislaw, Schlatten are both near LEC level players, so I I like Kick Neosurf to win it all. I think. Yeah, we've seen. I think was it Mattislaw we haven't seen before, but Schlatten we've seen. I think in LEC, maybe just uh, once or something. Yeah, Mattislaw like has definitely played before yeah. in the LEC. Well, I know the two of them have been kind of like Magi Felix, like just like mainstays of this, like the the scene. They're kind of like the golden glues of that scene. Like, they're pretty clearly better than a lot of the other players at this level, but haven't kind of made that step up yet. So Another guy who got a shot for just a second that I would like to see get another shot is the leader of the top lane, Ice Visto. Ibo on Kick Neosurf. Ibo has been awesome in these tournaments as well, but he's kind of like the leader of the top lane. He's like a, a, the shy type player that's going to get in there and battle. And so you got you got to be prepared for that to be part of your game plan. Yeah. But I, th- I think he deserves a look. Tink's still crushing it. Yeah, he's played very well. His top laner is like the worst player to ever play in EU Masters. So. <laughs> the the Bando and Eight. 
Yeah. Getting the bando back together, right? I don't like that guy at all. He he cost me so much money last time around by turning it around in the final. I was like, who is this guy? Why aren't you dying 20 times like I was expecting you to? And then so this time I'm like, he's figured it out. I'm going in on on uh, on LDLC and then nope, Bando and A returns. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm done with that guy. I am done with Bando. But uh, yeah, the... I thought that Shigenda on a go rogue today, the top laner was also worth giving a shot to. He's played weak side and strong side tops uh, so far, and he's looked good every time. So he might be somebody to look out for. Cool, cool, cool. Um, closing thoughts. Anything else that kind of sums everything up for that one? I guess we'll we'll hop on into our next subject. We got a lot to more to get to here. So. Um, just I I wrote down like some news topics and I'm sure I'm forgetting stuff, but a lot of the a lot of this like smaller news is, is stuff that we're gonna talk about in off season, roster moves, contracts, being allowed to explore, you know, trade options, etc. The only real big relevant news this week is that Nogri had a collapsed lung, went in for an operation a couple days ago. It doesn't look like this is gonna be an issue. Um it's a pretty routine surgery. Uh he's gonna have to leave a little bit later to get to China to start practicing with the team. So there's probably going to be a couple days delayed. I, unless you think this is going to be, you know, impact their practice big time, which it could, they don't have that much time. Uh, I, I don't think this is, is too big a deal. Like when it first happened, I think a lot of people thought it might be, but uh, this is a pretty common occurrence. It happens. Somebody else had one of these earlier this year, right? Who was it? Somebody else had a collapsed lung earlier. Well, Hi guys. had one in. Well, that was um, a while ago. Yeah, yeah, there, a long time Somebody, ago. somebody had one this year. Uh, who was the LPL? Um, EDG. A uh, hope was hope on EDG. One. Yeah, it was it hope. Was... Hope had one earlier this year, and you know he missed two games, and he was back. You know, six days later or something like that. So, uh, hopefully he's all fine and well. They released an update. Damon released an update on it today, and it, it appears that everything's going to be all fine and dandy. He's just going to be a couple days late to China. So hopefully that doesn't disrupt things too much. Uh, I don't think we'll be seeing Flame. You don't have to worry about that. Although <laughs> It'd be cool. Although power to him because he's still grinding. So good for him. Uh, God, he's been around for nine years now. It's insane. Crazy. All right, uh, we wanted to briefly touch on the Worlds patch. I don't want to go into too much detail on this because the numbers are obviously subject to change. And the PBE has some numbers out there uh, already for this. But I just wanted to talk big picture on a couple of the, the changes in nerfs. There are targeted nerfs that we're going to see. So uh, this is from Mark Yetto. He's on the balance team. Or he's not on the balance team. Uh, this is a report from the balance team about the 1019 Worlds patch. Uh, we'll know for sure. Next Tuesday, when the patch notes came out, exactly what's changing and everything. But we had a couple listener questions asking about this, and I figured it would be an interesting thing to touch on. So um, I'll just, like, go through these. Uh, so we have some small nerfs to Azir, small nerf to Caitlyn, and fairly, like, I'll say, like, moderate nerfs to Twisted Fate and Senna. And then I don't think Nunu is going to be relevant in pro play. I don't think Talon's going to be relevant in pro play. So those are the targeted nerfs for this patch. Uh, Caitlyn getting base stat nerfs. Which, you know, makes sense because she was, like, when you buff the longest range champion in the game's base, that's, she's going to be, obviously, a safe blind pick. I actually don't think this changes too much, but I don't think she'll be, like, a blue one, like, first first pick blue side blind pick anymore. And I don't think she'll be a ban every single game now. I think she's just going to be an option. 
So it should free up the drafts a little bit. Uh, she's still going to be good. She's still a pretty safe blind pick. It just won't be like – she's good because she fits everywhere, not because – she fits everywhere and she's slightly overtuned. Now that she's not slightly overtuned, I think it brings her down to, like, if you need a blind pick champion, she's fine. But she's not, like, automatic blind pick every single game. And I think that's kind of where that's going to go with that. These year nerfs are, are – attack speed on his W – this is the passer for his W. Don't think this changes anything for Azir. Every time they've changed their nerf to Azir, it never matters. Azir is a meta decision. It's about whether or not he is an important player and if you need blind pick mid laners. So I don't think this changes anything for Azir, really. He wasn't really seeing bans anyway, unless it was like second round. Um, I, I don't think this changes anything for him. The TF nerfs, I think, are the big. The TF and center nerfs, I think, are the biggest ones. Um, TF loses five base movement speed. That's what it is right now, subject to change. Uh, if that goes through, I think that's a pretty big hit to him because part of what's so broken about Twisted Fate right now is that you just abuse movement speed. Everyone's getting uh, swiftness boots and, you know, rapid fire cannons like a third item, and you just kind of abuse the fact that you can make stuff happen. We'll probably still see some TF. There's always players that will opt to him, but I think he kind of goes from permaban status to probably, like, just an option now. And then Senna, they're nerfing the dirt, attempting to nerf the drop rate on her souls, which makes her scaling a lot slower. So I think she might go from blind pick on a power level standpoint to maybe she's blind pick because he's versatile. So we might see some more fasting center or support center again uh, because the scaling is not quite as free. But I still think that champion is fundamentally just really, really powerful. Like just free scaling, even if it's slower, double swings, healing and damage. Those are the big buffs. Um, questions, comments, concerns on those? Did you talk about the Akali exchange? Uh, no. So they are oh, – so that has been kind of kicked back, and we don't actually know. It's like they oh. took that off the list today. So Interesting, because I thought Akali would have been a near 100% PN pick and ban or maybe close to it. I think so. The nerf that she got or the nerf that she's slated to get right now is actually a pretty big one. So um, same with Lucian. They're, they're nerfing Lucian as well. So – the Lucian one, I'm not sure. They're, they're trying to target solo lane Lucian, but I don't think it was enough. I did the math on it the other day. It's like he loses like 8.1 AD at level 18, which is like a decent amount. They took away his uh, AD scaling per level. So um, maybe makes him less of like an automatic blind pick, but I still think the fact that the AP junglers are there means he's just going to be a focus in every single game, and especially the caliber of player at this tournament. You're not going to have players that don't play Lucian at this tournament for the most part. Like, Solo is not going to play Lucian, I don't think. So, like, we have a couple guys like that, but most of the players at this tournament are, are going to be capable of playing him to a, a high level. So, so, I think we'll see him. The Akali Nurse were pretty heavy handed, but again, that's a champion that, you know, kind of like LeBlanc or Azir, like, if people think they can outplay on it, they're going to play it. And, you know, it doesn't fundamentally change what makes her strong, which is that you have to delay damage against her, and it, she's really disruptive in fights. So, yeah. Um, again, I, I think we'll talk more on this next week. I just wanted to briefly mention it just because I had a couple people ask, and we'll, we're going to get to listener questions in just a second. But we'll have the full details on this patch next week on, like, the official actual Worlds patch will be Tuesday, so we'll have that for next week's recording, and we can maybe touch on it a little bit more there. Um, do you guys have any just thoughts on this or, you know, 
concerns. I don't play the game at a super high level, so I wanted to ask you about the Aurelia buffs. Uh, she started to make some appearances in the LAC a little bit, and it looks like they buffed her ult a little bit. Yeah. What do you think about Aurelia? Um, so she's Aurelia is kind of the opposite of Azir in that, like, when she's good, she's good. And I don't think this changes that. I don't think uh, – obviously, the, the, the buffs to her ult are actually pretty big. Like, they were pretty substantial increases. But she's not a champion you can just, like, always play. You kind of have to pick your spots with it. She's just going to be a little bit more potent in those spots where she's good. So maybe this kind of nudges her up a tick and reminds teams that, hey, she's there and she's an option. So maybe we see an uptick in, you know, her play because of that. But I do think sometimes we get this – there's, like, a syndrome that happens when – a champion gets buffed, and it's, like, not that huge of a buff, but it just kind of reminds people, it's like, oh, yeah, that champion's good. We should play that. And sometimes a patch will just push teams into playing the champions, even if it's not necessarily the math that pushed her over the edge or anything like that. So yeah. here's, a, here's a big question that I only want a small answer for today, and we can go back over it again later if you want. Does, as, as Riot Games, do you purely balance around pro play from now on and don't worry about the solo queue experience. Like I have noticed in the last few years, the reason I bring this up for everybody, I complain about it all the time, but the more of these like Akali type champions that they bring out, like I just use her as an example, but the more of those types of champions they bring out, the more cancerous solo queue is because if you're somebody who's just played 300 straight Yone games and you come up against somebody that's played two games against Yone, you're just going to get destroyed. And those those kinds of champions, there's like more and more of them. But at a pro play level, they're probably pretty fair and balanced. I mean, pro players know how to deal with those kinds of champions well. Do you think they just continue to balance around pro play and don't worry about what those kinds of champions do to solo queue? Or what do you think? So they do about like an 80-20 split. Uh, if, you like, if you read the patch notes, they, they frequently say like, you know, this is for pro play. I personally... And this may be a little bit of a hot take. I don't know. A lot of people probably don't agree with it. But I think you should balance around pro play. Because these are teams that are fi- <clears throat> they're figuring things out. They're optimizing at the highest level, right? Also, people tend to parrot what they see. So uh, I do think you balance around that. But I think you can kind of strike a balance, which I think generally they do a pretty good job of. Like, if there's a champion that's just got an obscene win rate in solo queue, they usually do something about it. Like... I know, like, Nunu in this patch just has an obscene win rate in solo queue because, you know, especially high-level solo queue because there's some one-tricks that are just really good at them. But they'll balance it that way. Uh, but, like, you're not seeing Nunu in pro play. So th- you kind of – there's, like, a balance between the two. I personally think it's fine to balance around pro play. There's a lot of people that disagree with that. No, see, I, I agree with you against my own interests. Like, I, ha- I have to say that over the last couple of years, my enjoyment of the game has gone down as there's been more Yasuos and Yones and Rework Akalis, and every game's just some yeah. stylist. But I, I'll say, like, I mean, imagine if basketball are just like, we're just moving up the three-point line because most people can't hit threes. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly, I mean, exactly. Yeah but, yeah, but we watch, you know, the NBA because we want to see the best players shoot threes. You know, you can't just move it up just because I'm an idiot that can't hit threes. Yeah, so. But- I agree with you, even though it has hurt, hurt my experience, I think, as a player. Yeah, I think generally it's just – I mean, I'll, say, I'll just say this. Like, look at every game that doesn't balance around professional play. It doesn't usually work out well. As a matter of fact, have any of them really worked out well? I can't think of any. I think most games balance around pro, pro play and high-elo ladder play. 
Like that's just the way you, I, I think that's just the way you have to do it. And I think you can pick and choose your battles on spots that aren't that. Like, you know, Talon, right? We're not seeing Talon in pro play, but if he's terrorizing solo Q to such a degree and he has a high pick rate, then yeah, sure. Just, you know, knock him down a couple notches or something. So yeah, definitely. That's more of like an off season topic, I think. But I, I do think like game theory wise, I think it's fine to balance off. Because the, theoretically, these are the people that are optimizing, right? And if you if you believe in like uh, you know in magic, I think LSV calls it the blender, which is uh, the, the the concept that the machine, the overall collective machine of thousands of players playing millions of games, will eventually optimize something faster than any playtest team can do it, or or they will figure things out that other teams don't, right? Or other like a playtest team won't. I yep. think you do want to. Like these are the teams that hypothetically are doing that, right? Like these are the highest level. They have coaching staff. They have every. They're people whose job it is to literally figure this stuff out. So, you know, yeah, why I think not it also, them? yeah, I think part of the appeal of League of Legends too is that you could watch a pro game and then you could go to your computer and theoretically play against those pros, right? Yeah. So, so the idea that you can parrot those champions and parrot those compositions, I think probably drives interest in the game a little bit although obviously there are people who don't care about yeah. pro play at all who play the game yeah it's definitely uh definitely an interesting topic um again we'll we'll touch on this patch again next week once we have some finalized numbers and everything but i uh, just wanted to do like a cursory look at it um listener questions we got a handful of these um i'm just double checking to make sure there were not any additional ones i think we're good <clears throat> all right so um Got a handful of these. Uh, I'm going to try to blaze through these because we are running a little bit, and I want to kind of get to the end topic. But we can go in on a couple of these. So the first one we have, at bconnor034, he says, I would love to hear about the teams outside of the main four regions and how you think they'll fare at Worlds. So <clears throat> this is something I've actually been looking into over the past couple of weeks. Uh, you guys have been following EU Masters, which I think is great. Uh, but I usually take this time of year to watch the smaller leagues, the wildcard regions, um, and kind of get caught up on which teams are relevant, whether they're the real deal, etc. Um, again, I think we're going to touch on this one a little more next week, but uh, because we'll have the play-in draw coming up on, I think it's Friday, right, is the draw show? Or no, next Tuesday is the draw show for everything, I think, for groups and for play-in. So we'll get into more detail on this next week. But... Um, I did want to briefly touch on this. So historically we get, there's usually, you know, one to three wildcard teams that make any kind of noise at worlds. And historically the strongest regions for that have been Turkey and Brazil and the uh, CIS, the Commonwealth of Independent States. So I think, I think it's, I think we should probably touch on those three regions first. Um, and I think we kind of have a new one this year that uh, that we should talk about. So, in years past, the, there was always one team, and it was the LMS representative. Sometimes it was two LMS representatives would make some noise because, you know, they're based in Taiwan. They're playing on these the Chinese and Korean servers. A lot of these players, a lot of these players are Korean and Chinese, as it is. Uh, historically, Flash Wolves, everybody knows Flash Wolves. They've been a name that's, you know, caused some big upsets. They had a, their historic organization. For those that don't know, the LMS is gone. The LMS is no more. What they did was they combined the LMS and the Southeast Asian League into one league called the PCS, the Pacific uh, the Pacific Championship Series. Uh, so the PCS is sending two teams. They're sending Machi and Talon. Uh, 
this league is actually pretty good. Uh, have you guys watched any of the PCS? Only just a little bit, but I agree with you that the, the level of play there seems not major region, but like, better than some of the other regions I've watched. Chris, Yeah, I've watched, I've watched very little of it, but I mean, I see PSG as Hanabi, River, Tank. Those are guys we're familiar with who can play the game, obviously. And with a backing like Paris Saint-Germain, you know, they're spending money. Yeah. So it, what's interesting about this is that this league, and again, like I, I mostly just am getting caught up on it now. I, I was only like briefly, you know, touching on it during the season. But what's interesting about this league is that it kind of took opposite flavors, right? Because the LMS historically played a lot more like, like Korean, like the Korean style of play, uh, vision control, you know, more minimized mistakes, slower and more controlled kind of games. Like they played much more of that Korean style. A lot of the coaches there were Korean coaches as well. Uh, Flash Wolves historically was they were basically just like another Korean team every time they went to Worlds, right? Uh, but they blended that with the Southeast Asian, you know, region, which is more like the Vietnamese and LPL style, which is just like we always go for the outplay, constant coin flipping, really, really aggressive, high kill total games, etc. So it was really cool to see this kind of experiment in terms of, like, just blending these two, just mash these two leagues together, get the best of the best from both. And we really did see that each of these teams still very much had their flavor, right? Um, so you, it, what's interesting is you had a lot of, yeah, it was just a very, not like binary league in terms of quality, but, like, you did have teams that were very different from one another, which was really cool to watch. I think the two, uh, the PCS is sending their two best teams. Uh, I think Talon is the better team, personally, just watching them. Uh, they remind me a lot of... Uh, they were kind of like the adults in the room in this league. Uh, everyone else having like these like crazy high kill total games, and they were kind of just like the more dialed in, controlled team. They're a very disciplined team. I actually think Talon are probably my um, my dark horse for like a, a wild card team to make anything. I don't know if that's really a hot take because they are probably the best wild card team. But uh, so that's the PCS. I just wanted to touch on that because a lot of people don't know that it's just a new league. This is the inaugural season for it, but it's the the two of those leagues mashed up. Um, any thoughts on that? Or I'm just going to go on and kind of touch on a couple of these other competitors. Um, next up, I'll say the CIS because Eastern Europe historically has always sent a couple teams, including a few really iconic ones that you know people loved. Uh, and Albasox Luna is the most uh, the most memorable one. Actually, made top eight at Worlds, which just maybe the craziest Cinderella story. That has to be one of the craziest Cinderella stories that year, right? Oh, absolutely! Along with the speech, the big speech. They were just a just fun because we are small does too. not mean we are losers. That's the best. <laughs> they were like literally. The, oh my god, that team! So the CIS this season is sending Unicorns of Love, which is a familiar name because they were the representatives last year. And you know anybody? So you guys, you guys know Unicorns of Love. Um, the pieces actually haven't really changed. Um, they have a new eighty. I think it's a new eighty carry. I don't think Gadget was with them last year, was he? Maybe he was. Yeah, Gadget, I don't think, was there AD Carry last year? No Man's and Sick and Boss uh, have been the core of a team for a while. It wasn't always Unicorns of Love, but they've been a core for a while, well, a long time. Yeah. Um, this team usually is pretty good. Uh, a lot of these players, a lot of the players in this league are former LEC players or players that are, like, of that caliber. Um, they're playing against the EU Masters teams. They're playing against the LEC teams in solo queue. A lot of these players are... Like, a lot of these guys play high-ping EU West solo queue because it's a bigger server, more competitive server. 
So a lot of these guys will play like high ping on that, and they a lot of them do get you know challenger level. Like they're still very good playing on high ping against EU players, so or the EU uh, West players. So um, historically, the way these regions work, these wildcard regions work, is the strength of competition just in general is is what ends up creating you know the best teams out of a lot of these cases. Um, the CIS historically is a pretty strong level of competition just being in Europe in general. Um, which so Unicorns of Love is going to represent the CIS. That's going to be their lone representative. Um, I think they've got a reasonable chance to make some noise. So I think I think Talon and Machi are probably from the PCS. They're probably like the the two top teams of these wildcard teams. I think Unicorns of Love is probably you know in that next tier down with another team. I'm going to touch on uh, Supermassive. Supermassive is from Turkey. Turkey historically has had some pretty good showings at Worlds with Dark Passage. Supermassive in the past couple of other teams um th- to me i don't know if you guys feel the same way to me those are the main four like to me i don't think any of these other teams uh which i'll mention in just a bit are, are really going to do too much maybe you guys disagree with that but no uh, that feels that feels correct to me yeah um i think the south american regions have really kind of fallen off in the last couple of years and been a lot less competitive than they were in the earlier years of worlds and then Japan just really struggles because they're so they just don't have anybody to play against. Yeah, it's just like it's it, also a small server. They just don't. Yeah, have very them. small server without a lot of, of people to play against. And Oceania is in some ways kind of the same way. Yeah. So I, I think yeah, th- those regions are definitely less likely to make a run than the CIS or Turkey. Yeah, I mean, last year we saw um, Latin America had a pretty good showing, and Latin America again is another region that merged um, north and south. They merged into one league, and that definitely helped them. Uh, I don't think rainbow seven is going to really make any noise but i mean who knows uh i think i I agree john it used to be that brazil was in this conversation pretty frequently too but the the quality of play in cb lol is has gone i think it's gone down (laughs) super entertaining it's hella entertaining you want to watch some high kill league of legends you want you got to watch vietnam and brazil because i've never seen a region ever in the history of league where top laners were the highest fantasy scoring oh yeah it's like nuts. Brazil, like top laners just go off in Brazil. They don't even care about because all the fighting happens so early. The eighty carries don't even get a chance to get going. It's just crazy. top laners. It's absolutely nuts. Um, so B Connor asked, um, and I guess I'll, I'll tie this into. Let me see if there was another one. I think that wasn't there another one of these. No. So we'll. I think we'll we'll touch back on this next week. Uh, once we have the group draw, because again, the play in stage got reworked because Vietnam's going to be there. So it's going to be two groups of five now. So I think that makes things a little more interesting because I think one of these teams is, well, I mean, one of these teams is almost definitely going to get through just because I don't think they can seed number four LEC, number four LPL. But like, there's a chance. I mean, it, we're going to have to wait for seeding before, uh, I, I, before I think, um, uh, we can really go into too much detail on these, but I think those I think those four teams are the ones to mention. I think both PCS teams, Supermassive, uh, Supermassive has has three guys with Worlds experience. Uh, they're pretty good. Turkey historically has been a pretty strong league compared to the rest of these wildcard league. Uh, Kakao is on that team. Yeah, Kakao like, is on that team. Kakao. After playing in Korea time. Challenger most of the season, or you know half on the bench, half playing. So uh, yeah, interesting. Um, I do think Super. I do think what's weird is Turkey. I don't think Turkey sent their best team, but I think Turkey sent their best team that will make any noise because these players all have world's experience. 
So Supermassive were not the best team in Turkey. They won the championship, but in my opinion, they weren't the best team. Uh, I think you could actually make an argument there were two teams better than them, but I do think given the experience these players have and the overall individual quality that you're going to need to even have a remote chance of competing at this tournament, I think this is probably their best representative, weirdly enough. Kind of like Cloud9 for, for North America, I think, in some extent, like to some extent. So um, we'll touch on this again next week uh, once we have the draws. Um, <laughs> we had a couple fun ones. So uh, Jason, <laughs> shout out to Jason. Uh, Mr. Malmanger, uh, first time, long time. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, says, who's going to be the final four teams at Worlds and why is it these guys? And he sent me a picture of the four jerseys for the LVL teams. <laughs> uh, any Any thoughts? It's got to be JDG, Damn One Gaming, Top Esports, and G2. That's right, Malmanger, EU in the semifinals. That's what's, that's what's going to happen. Chris, Top Four Worlds, go to your head, go. You know what? Uh, who do I want to get in there? I just want Fnatic to get in there to tilt Jason. It's something just, it's something him and Fnatic and Reckless, whatever. Uh, I can tell you who's not making it. LGD is not making it. Uh, I have Damwon G2, JDG, and I think TES. Okay. It's not bad. Not bad. I'm, I think Damwon Gen G, JDG top. I'll just chalk it up. Like they are the four current favorites, which we're going to touch on in just a little bit. But, uh, oh, they're not actually, but we'll touch on that in a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, Jason's right about one thing. Those jerseys are uh, winning world championships, right? So <laughs> I don't think those are so dope. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm with you guys. I think Damon, JDG, I could see, I think Gen G and maybe G2. I could see top kind of falling off in the tournament. Um, I think top and G2 are pretty close for me. Like I could see yeah. G2 in this too. I think, I think those, I think those five teams to me anyway, are cut above the rest just like looking at it cursory like right now without groups or anything like that yeah i totally agree then he also asks uh if t1 signs ls as a content creator and not a coach do they still pick connectin and will his brain explode so i i gotta say i hate ls but i'm kind of with him on this one renekton like the games where Rennington goes off, it feels to me like they were just going to go off anyway. Like, I rarely see, like, a, oh, Rennington's got him in the, on his back, you know? I, th- I think Ben and Broken Blade would disagree with you. I don't know about Broken Blade. Ben has had some very good Ben Ben just, like, straight up hard carried, like, every single playoff series he played him. Like, I, I don't... All right, so this kind of reminded me... So he asked this, like, kind of jokingly as, like, kind of like a troll question. Uh, I do think his brain will explode because he'll have a conflict of interest. Uh, I also would doubt T1 actually signs him, but I don't know. There's been rumors about all these teams that are interested in him. I'll just say he's coached before, and it has not turned out well. So uh, not hating, but this kind of reminded me of a side topic, uh, which is I mean, what do you guys think? you think we want to go into this, or is this an off-season show, this right here? This might be an off-season topic. I mean, I think – I think what you're probably hinting at is right. It's that, like, you can't have such inflexibility in your mind to be a head coach. You yeah. know, like, so, yeah, I, I guess we'll just dive into it. So, I, I actually like LS. I like what he brings to the broadcast. I know people don't like 
the noises, people don't like his voice, people don't like his strong takes on things. I don't personally like that he gets tunnel vision on his ideas, which most of the, I'll say this, like most of the time, probably like 90 plus percent of the time, he is right about situations. Like this was the wrong build. This should have been this. Morel is a bad build here. He should have froze this wave. Like all these, all the memes essentially. I actually agree with him for the most part. Like in most situations, the problem is he like kind of shoehorns other situations in to fit that, that narrative, like the meme narrative. Now I understand when you're on broadcast, it's different. You kind of got to like create conversation a lot of the time. It's, it's a lot easier said than done by the way. But I think he gets a little bit of tunnel vision. Like, and this is part, I mean, I guess we'll see. I kind of hope he gets a coaching job somewhere. I really do. Because I think there's like a balance between like, I do think he would improve things for some teams. And I like his approach of, you know, you need to be able to do this. Like bigger picture. he He's a huge proponent of, uh, I guess like the anti like teacher foul, like the gym teacher fallacy, which is like, you know, those who can't do our gym teachers or whatever. Right. I'm kind I don't entirely agree with him on this, but I do think that you need to be a certain level of, of proficient in at least your understanding of the game, even if it's not like necessarily like playing, but I do think that playing is actually the best way to do that. And, and, you know, getting that kind of experience matters. I also don't think it's that crazy for, for anybody that's going to be doing this for a living to put the time in to actually grind out like some solo queue and, and get some experience with it. I don't think it's as hard as people realize to, to make it's difficult, but if you're doing it as a full-time job or trying to, you can get some real-time experience playing at a high level. And I think enough coaches try to get like, I don't think enough coaches. I think there's too many coaches that don't play at a high level and therefore don't understand things at a high enough level. And I think the ones that are successful, you know, you hear all the time, like, oh, like this, this coach on this team is silver two and solo queue. Sure. That's to me, that's an exception to the rule. Like, I think those are exceptions more often than the case, you know, than, than what should be expected. Right. And I'm not seeing everybody needs to be this like crazy high level player, but I do agree with him on, there's just a fundamental lack of understanding about certain things and about how champions work and, and all these different things. I uh, got I was just going to say, the way that I've always viewed LS, and maybe my view is off here, but there's a lot of people like LS, it's not just a specific yeah. dig at him, um, is kind of like karate against Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So karate yeah. is like you go into a class, and the guy's like, okay, your attacker comes at you like this, and the guy just walks forward and doesn't actually attack you. And they show you a series of moves that would be, quote-unquote, super devastating to this attacker. And yeah, that's probably true. I mean, if the guy actually came at you like super slow with his arm extended exactly like this and didn't respond when you grabbed it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that stuff would probably work. Whereas jujitsu is more like free flowing. You have to be constantly willing to adapt. And I think sometimes the LS type analysts are searching for perfection so hard yeah. that they forget that there's a lot of things going on in the game. Maybe some of the things that uh, they can't see on the map, like they, maybe they're not seeing the fog of war. They don't understand that. Maybe this guy didn't freeze this wave because he has a different thought about where the enemy jungler is right yeah. now. He hasn't seen him in 45 seconds. And so and things like that. And I think sometimes they're searching for perfection so hard they forget that that things are flowing and yeah. uh, and they can get bogged down in like, this is absolutely a mistake. When really, they don't really know exactly what, where the thought was coming from. Yeah, I actually think that's a great comparison. Uh, that's, a, that's a really, really poignant comparison. Like, I think... Um... 
It is cool. I can't remember the name. There's like a there's like a philo- like philosophical concept. Uh, there's a philosopher that that um, he kind of models after. I just can't remember who it is at the moment. Where it's like you should aspire to theoretical highs and goods. I just can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But like, Alan, do you, what do you, what do you think on that? Like, I I think it's good to want to aspire to that, but I also think you have to kind of strike a balance between what's practical and what's not, which is going to touch into like the side topic I want to touch on in just a second. But like, do you have any like big picture thoughts on LS Alan? Cause we've never really like gotten a chance to talk about this. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think you guys pretty much nailed it there. I mean, I think he's, uh, I think the way that he sees the game, he clearly knows what he's talking about. He clearly has ideas about what's broken before it shows up in pro play. So I think that there's a possibility that a, you know, a team could use him for that. But I do think that there is more to coaching than like, I understand the numbers of the game better than anyone else. And I think that's also a little bit underrated too. Yeah. Does this feel, it feels a little Chip Kelly-esque, doesn't it? I don't think Absolutely. how much about football you guys know, but like Chip Kelly was like, just this like X's and O's genius, right? Mm-hmm. But did not know how to not piss his players off, basically. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, and, I mean, Vince, yeah. you come from a Magic. You yeah. played Magic, and I I do not know a single Magic player that hasn't built their own like cool brew. And if you say like, well, you might lose to this deck, they're like, no, no, no. I have this answer and this answer and this answer. Yeah. This, I have that covered. Well, what about this other deck? Oh, nope. I have this one, this one, and this one. But your deck just never wins. Yeah, like it just doesn't flow. You theoretically have all the correct answers, but it just doesn't work when you put it together. Like yeah. that's something we've all experienced if you play Magic. Yeah, I think when all when all said and done, like. And that's like kind of that example touches on this. Like when all is said and done, like what's the most brutally efficient answer? And I think like when you get to the highest level like this, unless you have like just a severe play advantage, I think a lot of times people take like win rates and stuff like that, like out of context too. Like there, there's there's a lot of that that happens. That's obviously a whole thing on its own. But uh, and this kind of touch like th- this topic, like this question reminded me of a topic I've been meaning to touch on. I guess we'll like briefly mention it here and then we'll save it for an off season. Cause I think it's a whole episode, honestly. Uh, there's a difference between functional and theoretical. And for me, it's like, what's the practical application of something versus what's the theoretical application of something? Because, and this is something like good coaches understand at a very high level. And, it's the fact that it's good to you, – you really need to have a balance of both because you, you don't want to stagnate in just doing what's comfortable or what works. You want to be pushing boundaries and you want to be seeking perfection. But you also have to be able to adapt and understand that a situation isn't always perfect. It's not always ideal, right? Um, and, you know, there's only so many hours in a day to practice this stuff too. I tend to agree with LS on this part that there's like a woefully – there's a woeful lack of – exploration on certain things teams tend to get set in way in a way and they're not willing to explore they're not willing to adapt i think this is the best part about the lec is because the lec will try stuff like the lec more than i think honestly you've seen it like the lpl players and the lck players have said they look to the lec now for innovative stuff more or less like creative things and it's because they are more willing to explore that like they're less set in their ways but john like just to pull the magic example back right that would be like telling like the the guy that always plays the best deck in modern is like always playing some tier deck in modern that hey this might not be a good deck but you should explore the concept of what this like tier 3 like niche deck does right like 
there's a concept to be explored and maybe optimized there with more reps kind of situation. And I think uh, that's how you need to look at things, right? You can't just say, like, okay, Soraka Top was the best pick here. I agree that, like, at the end of the day, if we did a million simulations, that there would be some kind of optimal answer. There almost always is. But you also have to accept that, you know, practical application is a real thing. Like, if you can't apply it, then what does that matter, you know? Yeah, and you may not find that optimal answer if you just take Set and Shogath in every one of those million games. Yeah. Like, it, it might turn out that the actual optimal champion was Camille, but you just never picked it because it didn't. Yeah. But go ahead, Alan. Oh, no, I was just laughing to myself. This is like a chef's kiss GCP moment right here. Uh, as a listener, I'm like, wait, that they just got asked a troll question, and then Vince and John made it into a beautiful <laughs> philosophical <laughs> metaphor. So ni- nicely done, guys. <laughs> I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this, too. Like, So the, he mentioned Renekton, right? I think Renekton is actually like a great example of this, and that's kind of what spurred this line of thinking along for me the thing that people don't understand with Renekton and I know John you are not a Renekton fan Alan I don't know your thoughts on the champion the thing about Renekton is that it always looks underwhelming a lot of times it looks underwhelming and a lot of times like it feels like you're losing in a late game because of it I think what people don't understand is that it's just a Swiss army knife it just does everything well enough that it enables a player to kind of do whatever they need to do with it right doesn't have the answer to everything, but it has the answer to most things, right? There is some way that that champion can apply to most situations, which is why teams like it so much, right? Renekton has practical application, right? Uh, I always think of, like, Lucian's another one that always comes up on this podcast, right? Lucian has practical application because, yeah, sure, in a vacuum, he doesn't do as much damage as these hyper, hyper carries late game. What people don't understand is there's a difference between theoretical damage, right? What if you're a Jinx that's not protected, what if you're a Jinx that's in a situation where the, the, the game-ending teamfight's on the line and you don't have your flash up because something happened beforehand, right? Sure, in a vacuum, assuming perfect play, Jinx is a better pick. Just in this in this hypothetical, right? What ends up happening with, like, the Lucian? This is why you see it with Ezreal, too, right? What ends up happening is there's more practical damage because in, like, a real-time situation where shit's hitting the fan, everything's wild, nothing's perfect these players want champions that give them agency and the ability to outplay with things. Just and play, play 80 carry and solo queue for a month and you'll feel them a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, exactly. I'm, my Jin game is 20 times better than my Ezreal game, but I play way more Ezreal than Jin because I'm tired of Malphite coming over the wall and one shot again, yeah. on Jin, even though I'm a better Jin player. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I can totally understand why they would want to play a champion that gives them more wiggle room in these crazy yeah. situations. And I think these kind of champions are just a good example of, um, just the, the con that that concept of of theoretical versus practical application, which I think is something we should definitely explore in the future, because I think there's more than just these handful of champions. But I feel like this conversation comes up that it, it kind of spurred this line of thinking along for me. So um, this is definitely a good idea for an off season topic. So Jason, thank you for the question because it definitely reminded me of uh, this is something I wanted to talk about. Um, at Raider underscore or Raider J underscore BBB said, how do you guys analyze individual player performance? With the game being majority team cohesion-based, it's difficult for me beyond the eye test or stats without context to, you know, evaluate individual player performance. Um, This is a really good question because it is challenging. Um, I think before anything, I'll say ProView is worth looking into. If you haven't, if you really want to explore that, it's definitely worth looking into. 
um, if you've got the time to, to look at individual players and, and analyze VODs from them. Um, that aside, he's right. This is hard. And I actually do think it's it's a lot of it's eye test and context. Um, I was going to say, I think eye test is, is monstrous when it comes to judging individuals. Teams are a lot different than individuals in this sense, because in theory, if your top laner is 0-2 and down 20 farm, but your bottom laner is up 20 farm and 2-0 because of the pressure that the jungler put down there, that shows in the team stats. It, it breaks even, which is what actually happened in the game. Yeah. Whereas in the individual stats, it just looks like your top laner's trash and your bottom laner's awesome. Yeah. Where really, you know, one of them was absorbing the pressure and one of them was getting help. So I, I think the eye test is really, honestly, you just have to get reps at watching the games. And, and just I often just come away from games with a feeling. Like, I, I can't even point to a moment. I often just end a game and I'm just like, man, I just feel like whenever something important happened that game, Lou Mao was there. Yeah. And, like, things were going on that involved Lou Mao every time something important happened. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, you just start getting, you know, tangible moments, but also just feelings and, and thoughts about it. Uh, Alan, what do you do? you have, like, um, because I kind of look at this as like a criteria thing, but I'll throw I'll throw it to you. Like, what what is what do you look for when you're evaluating an individual player? I mean, I think it's tough because I uh, don't play at the level that they do. Obviously, for me, so I rely on pro players' opinions of players a lot of the time. Like, if a, a lot of pros are saying, like a lot of pros say, tactical is um, a legitimate talent, and so then I watch them and I, I see what they see a little bit when they talk about that. So if if you hear about somebody like that, although you know there are cases where maybe that's not yeah. not the case, double lift for sure, like hypes up. Who a fanatic? People. Yeah, the fanatic in G two the entire time. If you listen to any content where any players from Europe were asked about anybody, everyone the entire time, even when they were losing, everyone's like G two and fanatic are just like still crushing everybody like yeah yeah these guys are still the best so yeah i listen to the people who play the game at that level for sure yeah i know for me i kind of treat it as like a like i have like criteria that i look for right like one is this person being put in a situation where i should expect them to succeed uh two is that happening frequently three how do they navigate the situations where they should be succeeding and how do they navigate the situations that they shouldn't be succeeding in um this is like the weak side top laner concept is like the biggest judgment of this for me uh like why is gim goon as good as he is at what he does is it because of the champions is it because he's always being set up that way is he doing certain things to outplay situations where he shouldn't have any business doing it and the answer is a little bit of everything for all of those which is why he's good at it right um it's really important to provide context at what you're looking at. Like you can't just like blind go into, into a VOD review or, um, you know, an, or, like create a narrative for a player without understanding what it is you're looking for. You, otherwise you just you could draw any conclusion you want from it. Right. So you need to look at an individual and be like, okay, how does this person fare when they're counterpicked? How does this person fare when uh, they are on a team that has to get, like, they have to get the game going early? Are they are they creating opportunities or are they just waiting for them, right? I think a lot of, that's how I evaluate a lot of this stuff. And then obviously, like, mechanically, you can actually, again, pro view. Like, you can go through and, like, look, like, who are the mechanically accurate players? And for those that don't know, like, this is measurable. This is, you can watch and criticize like small mechanical stuff like this doesn't always end up mattering, but it is something you can do. And I think uh, it's weird. I used to be, a, I think mechanics tend to go overrated and underrated at the same time. If that makes sense. I think 
when you have players that are good mechanical players, broadcasts always boost them up. Like, oh, he's a mechanical god, this, that, and the other thing. But I also think that um, there are, like, a lot of entrenched players that get the benefit of the doubt that we should be criticizing on mechanical errors and stuff like that, too. But that's, like, a whole other conversation, too. So, if I, like, I would say develop criteria for yourself. That's the easiest way to figure it out. Like, figure out a situation. And if you don't know the situation, ask someone that does. You can ask us over at the esports department. You know, hit me up in the Discord. Hit me up on Twitter. Be like, was this player, and if you're not sure at that level, ask. Be like, hey, was this player in a situation to succeed? Was he counterpicked? Was his jungle going to be leaving? Was he going to be left out to die, basically? Was he going to be direst? Or was he going to be broken blade, right? Um, and how did he handle that situation? Part of what I think made Solo so good this year was Solo legitimately outplayed situations that he shouldn't have been outplaying a lot of times. And that's not something we expected from him, which is kind of what made me think pretty highly of him going into the split. As linear as his champion pool was, he was a guy that you could actually trust to outplay people on Orn, right? Like, it would happen sometimes, and like that's you know that's something to take note of. So that's how I evaluate individual players. You, I, I kind of break it into categories, and I, I watch with intent. And I think that's, like, the main thing. That's for any kind of analysis for anything, honestly, is develop criteria, develop things you're looking for, and and then, you know, create a checklist or something for yourself and break it down that way. Um, stats without context in this one, too. Uh, I think XP and CSD at 15 are, are actually decent measures for individuals and, you know, kill participation, but you have to understand the context of those stats, right? Like, if a player has, you know, a high kill participation, but he's playing, you know, split pushers or something like that, that's, like, an interesting... That's an interesting nugget, right? Like, that's... Like, he's getting stuff done and still doing this stuff, right? Whereas if he's at a low kill participation on something like Orn, you've got a problem, right? Um, so a lot Learn of that stuff takes out, context. God. Let me figure out how the stats weave together. I had a question about this uh, on Twitter, actually, from somebody they were kind of saying that they weren't really a big fan of stats because they felt like they didn't come with, with context and they didn't like using the stats because, you know, they'd rather watch the games. And while that has some uh, some value, what I said was pay attention to how stats interact with each other so that way when you're looking at stats, things can pop out to you. Yeah. Um, like if you see a team that is plus 950 gold at 15 minutes and they're 2-11 and 11 on the season – those are conflicting stats that you need to figure out what's going on there. Like they, they tell you a story immediately. There's, there's two stats that are immediately telling you this team doesn't team fight well, or they draft only early game snowball composition. Yeah. Like you can, you can just from that, or what if they are plus 2000 gold at 15 minutes, but they only have a 41% dragon percentage. Yeah. Like there's little things like that. As soon as you see those two stats together, you automatically get told a story for something that you can go look at. And so th- yeah. those are like one of the things I think are most useful from yeah. stats, even and for think- any. And I think once you once you get used to you have to be you have to be in the dirt. It's like gardening, right? Like you got to get your hands in the dirt and 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 get involved in these things and see them so that you can identify patterns like that, right? Uh, I do this stuff all the time. You know, I am still a, a film over stats person, but it doesn't mean that stats aren't a huge part of what I do, right? Yeah, but it's about tying everything together and creating context and everything. So. Um, I think that's kind of the next level of of analytics and and predictive, you know, uh, modeling and stuff like that. I think that's kind of the next level of it is providing context for the numbers that you're getting. Go down. Yeah. I mean, I think it always has to have that base. But, I mean, Damwon Gaming this season, I feel like, is a perfect example of this, right? Like, uh, they are a statistical anomaly. Like, they 
have stats that no other team They're the has best ever team had ever. Not yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they and they swept uh, everyone basically in the LCK in the end of it. So like, and and I do think their talent is close, right? I don't think they're like so much better than DRX and so much better than Gen G, but I do think that those stats told the story and the story turned out to be true. Like, yeah. I think a lot of folks are like, you cannot use stats in League of Legends. You have to watch the games all the time, blah, blah, blah. And I, I have not found that to be true. Yeah, I kind of think that's a cop-out, to be honest with you. Like, I think I think you need both. Like, yes. That's the important, and it, it's, it's important to do both. It's also a, a nice way to make yourself important. Yeah, <laughs> right? that too. Yeah. That too. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is definitely a, kind of a heavy hitter topic because uh, I, I think just in general – is whether you're evaluating a team or, you know, a movie or music or a player or whatever, like create criteria for yourself so that you can, you know, look for certain things because otherwise it's kind of overwhelming to just kind of take everything and just draw a single opinion about something. Um, at Fu Honky says the world's patch, which role benefits the most and which teams does it help and which is it a detriment to, et cetera. Uh, so not to cop out, but we are, you know, we mentioned the patch a little bit. I don't, particularly think it hits anything to 80 carry pool is going to change i think that's going to be the biggest change but we don't know for sure until we have the final numbers on tuesday so i'm going to cop out and i'll push that to next week a little bit um at big kev says predictions uh each of you say who you think will win worlds and why and then who do you want to win worlds and why and then any dark horses for the tournament uh, so who do I think will win? I think JDG is going to win. Even after the finals in LPL, I, I, for me, JDG is still my favorite team in the world as far as play quality, not like my actual favorite. Um, I think Damwon Gaming gives them a run for their money. I like JDG's adaptability. I think they have just fantastic players at every role. Yeah. Um, who do I want to win? G2. Uh, I think they should have won last year. I would love to see them pull a miracle here and come out and win. I don't think it's likely to happen, but I, I, I would love to see them pick it up. And it would be even more cool to have them do it in a year when no one was expecting for them to win rather than last year where they were. Um, kind of dark horse? Uh, DRX. I could see DRX winning Worlds, and I don't yeah. think people are really giving them credit for like being capable of doing that. Um, I think they're... They probably have to win two best of fives against top teams. I think they could definitely do that. So, yeah, DRX may be a little bit of a dark horse. I don't think any of the, like, actual dark horses have any real shot. Like, I don't think we're going to just witness Team Liquid win Worlds or anything like that. Like, I think there's probably seven teams or so that could really win, or seven or eight teams, and one of those teams is going to win. Alan, you want to go next or want to take it? You go ahead. All right, so I think Damwon's winning Worlds. I think Damwon's the best team in the world. Not, it's not even just, like, Korean fanboy Vin. I, I like the, the proofs in the pudding. This team's ridiculous. Uh, I think the only way that they don't win is if they just come crashing down to earth. But if you look at Damwon's statistics and, like, their play just against the other top teams, it hasn't been flawless. But if you if you literally pull their stats against just the top four LCK teams – they still have the best stats in the world. That's ridiculous. They have better stats than top JDG against like their season, which is just absolutely bonkers to me. Like if you just like take out the bottom six teams and you only count their play against the top four. Now, the, so the other thing I like about Damwon is that like 
all these players have been there before. Ghost didn't play last time, but he was there. So this isn't um, this is an experienced team. This isn't their first rodeo. They made noise when nobody thought that they would the last time that they went. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different seeing them as like a favorite. Uh, I, I think f- for my money, I do think that t- the top two Korean teams are the best teams in this tournament, but I think it's pretty close to JDG and top as well. Uh, so if I had to pick, it's Damwon. I think Damwon are winning this. And Dark Horse... And who would you like to see win? Oh, yeah. Who would I like to see win? G2. Uh, not just because I'm a G2 fan either, but I think it'd be kind of a paradigm shift to finally see a non-Eastern team win. We probably should have had it last year, but Fun Plus played out of their minds, which was awesome to see as well. But I think I think seeing I would like to see G two win, uh, and then for a dark horse, oof. Um, I get. I mean, honestly, Gen G. At I mean, we're going to talk about futures in just a little bit, but Gen G are being treated like a dark horse. Like they're the fifth or sixth team in a lot of these markets, and I think that's really disrespectful. So I think I think G I think Gen G for a dark horse, and if you want like a real long shot. Like a real long shot, I'll go ahead and say it. TSM. I never in a million years thought I would ever say those words. By the way, I think TSM and Rogue are actually pretty good, like long, long shots, like you know, fifty to one or whatever they are. So, because I mean, you don't know, like if the meta turns out that everyone's just safe, playing safe and controlled, no one's snowballing leads. Like a, a bunch of coin flip games, I could see it happening. Got a lot of experienced players. Speakers playing out of his mind, peaking at the right time, kind of situations, right? And, yeah, those are like those are like long, long shots. But I think I think Dark Horse is probably just Genji. Alan, yeah, I mean I'm with you guys. I think the the two that you gave away are to the top two to me. JDG and Damon Gaming are the best two teams in those regions, hands down to me. The way I look at it is like they just don't have any weaknesses. Like yeah. they don't have a discernible weakness. Whereas top, like you could see bot lane being a problem for them throughout the yeah. tournament you could see you know Carse's, uh champion pool possibly being a problem so i yeah i would probably go with damon gaming as well and then who i want to see I, I would love to see Fnatic win it i i just love what they do like i love that they have different ideas about how to approach every single series that they're in i think it's a fun way to approach the game so i would love to see it rewarded it would be kind of vindicating for them too they've just gotten they have one of these hypercritical fan bases because they're a huge organization so like they just get shit on non-stop so it would be kind of vindicating to see them yeah i nemesis just isn't good enough let's yeah. be real <laughs> that's, that's why i didn't list them as a dark horse he's just game gonna... five fanatic against damn one reckless plays jana fanatic wins <laughs> Let's go. No, That's the story. The He's gonna bust out the cannon eighty carry again. Yeah, <laughs> and then as far as dark horse, I, I mean, I was gonna talk about uh, the fact that Gen G for some reason is listed as if they are a dark horse. Yeah. I think that Gen G is probably the third best team in the world. So I think that that number is insane yeah. for them. Um, I will definitely be hammering that. Um. Okay, so that's it for listener questions. So, I mean, we kind of lead this, this, you know, ended up leading in pretty nicely to uh, just big picture thoughts on Worlds. So we, right now, we don't have the group draw. We're recording this Wednesday, September 9th. Uh, we don't have groups. We don't have plans. We do know who was in which pool. 
but that's about it, and we have some futures odds that we were looking at. So I'm not going to go through all of these, but uh, just to highlight, I guess I'll do like the top eight or so, and then you know we'll go. So top esports are the current favorite at plus 175. Obviously, shop around for these; it's different. Um, uh, JDG plus 300, Dam One plus 400, G2 plus 1200, Dragon X plus 1600, Gen G plus 2000, Suning plus 2500, LGD plus 3300, Fnatic with them, Mad Lions at plus 4000. Everybody else is 50 to 1 or worse or lower, so that includes Rogue, TSM, Liquid, FlyQuest, and the, all the wildcard region teams. So. We kind of touched on these a little bit, but uh, to, to me, to, to me, Damwon and Gen G are just obvious standout spots. I I think Damwon, I think JDG's reasonable as well. I think Top is being priced very heavily, probably because they won the LPL Finals and MSC. Uh, so I guess we'll throw it out this way: Do we think Top is the second best team in the LPL? Yeah, I would say they're the first or second best first or second best team, depending on who you ask. I think JDG's better. Uh, I know plenty of people disagree with that and think Top's better. I think they probably are the two best teams, though. Yeah. I think they're, to me, like, for what it's worth, I think they're both pretty similar. Uh, I think Top did show us some stuff in playoffs that I think was promising after kind of a whole half of the season where there was kind of, I don't know, like, questionable. They have the best player in the world, which helps. Uh, I would dispute this. I think there's I think there's a case to be made for some other players, but the CEO they do have the CEO. I'm gonna get fired for that. <laughs> He's gonna fire yeah. me, right? Um, uh, I'm I'm with the CEO here. I think Knight is the best player in the world, and I think that is the situation where a top wins, right? Where it becomes a very mid-focused meta at the tournament, and Knight is just absolutely insane. He's just ballistic. Yeah, I can yeah. totally see that. Like. So I guess like uh, I don't know we we I think all of us like Damwon and Genji at the numbers right. Yeah, this was like I put out a pick of the week for this week, even though there's no games, because I yeah. just think this is like such an optimal setup that I just locked it in really early, and I think it's super optimal. I think Damwon at plus four hundred is a is a great bet. G two at twelve hundred, DRX at sixteen hundred, and Genji at two thousand all feel like really good bets. You can bet those four. Worst case scenario, if you're right, worst case scenario, you're breaking even. You make eight units or better if it's anyone except for Damwon, and you're only fading two teams, really. I think that's a nice little setup. Yeah, and I do think, I mean, we kind of touched on it already. Like, legitimately, that's, you know, most. I mean, is anybody else winning this tournament? Probably not outside of those four and JDG and top. So, yeah, yeah you're, you're fading two teams and making at least, uh, making eight units in three out of six situations, breaking even in one out of six situations, and then losing four units in two out of six situations seems yeah. good. And you can obviously, like, that's just, like, in a vacuum where, like, if you're just evenly weighting all of them, like, I think if you wanted to weight them a different way, you could probably figure out a way that you like more just based on your preferences, probably. Uh, I mean, I guess, like, we could talk big picture. Like, I mean, who are, like, what's your top five teams? And, like, is there, like, a clear cut in those top five teams for you guys? Or is it, like, a top six or a top seven? So I think JDG and Damon Gaming are uh, a clear cut above. And I, I would say that even without the odds, I think. I just 
Yeah, like, that... let's isolate the odds from this. Like, who are the best teams in the world for you? Like, yeah, so five. I think that those are, like, the, I suppose the S tier, and then I would put G2 and uh, top in sort of my A tier. And then I suppose the fifth best team is, like, Gen G-ish. Okay. Uh, any love for Dragon X or any of these other teams there? I... I'm not. I'm not that into Dragon X. I don't know what my problem is with them, but They're a little I just. I just don't trust that team. Yeah, um, it, it's possible that Chovy is, you know, the story of the tournament and they win. But I'm not in love with the rest of their players, to be honest. John, what about you? Who's like your like your top? I have a weird. Yeah, like I have kind of a weird tier. I think. I think for me, I only have two tiers in those six teams. Like it's a top six for me, and there's two tiers. The second tier is G2 and Top Esports, and the first tier is DRX, Gen G, Damwon, JDG. So, I think all four of those teams could beat each other. I'm going to go ahead and, uh, you know, just call in this favor from way back in, like, January, I guess. Um, isn't it interesting that the, the three Korean teams are the in your top tier there, John? They're all in the top six, yep. I, and more than, the, more than the number of LPL teams that are in my top six. However, I will say... If you took away the last, like, couple playoff matches, Invictus would be in my top six. Like, they I, looked, yeah. for me, like they were a top six team for most of the split. Yeah. And then, I think this is, this becomes more interesting with Invictus or Victory 5 instead of LGD. I would so much rather have Invictus than Sunning or LGD, even though I think they had good splits, and I think Sunning in particular had a really surprisingly awesome split. Yeah. I'd still rather have IG in one of those spots, and I think IG was the better. I think IG was better than both of them if you took the whole split into account. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm an LGD hater, so you guys know where I stand on this. I, so Sunning, I like Sunning. I think Sunning are legitimately good, but I think they're going to suffer from like Angels just going to be. He's going to have a really hard time in this tournament, right? He yeah, look might... at the mid lane, by the way. For anyone for anyone not really paying too much attention, look at the mid lane on these teams. It's Knight. Okay, Yagao. Maybe a bit of a step down there. Knight, <laughs> Showmaker, Caps, Chovy, BDD. Yeah. It... Like, what a monster set of mid laners up at the top there. Yeah, I, I don't think ZA and Angel and, and Nemesis are going to keep... Honestly, I don't think Humanoid can really keep up at this level either. Maybe Larson probably can. Larson fantastic. I'm interested. I'm interested to see Larson in some of these matchups. But uh, yeah, I, that, that's definitely interesting. Uh, so, you, so you think it's like a top, like a pretty clear, like any one of those top four can get it done, and then you have who was it? It was top and G two and the G, next year down. G two and top, and I think they can easily. I think they could easily win as well. It's not that hard to win a couple best of fives. Yeah. I, so for me, it's kind of. I actually, I actually think there's. To me, it's like a it's a it's like a three pronged thing. I I I really do think Damwon and Genji are the best two teams in the world. So uh, I like them more than both the top LPL teams personally. But I, for me, it would be Damwon, G, uh, Damwon and Genji kind of in like their own. I, I guess like S plus plus, and then you'd have like I think JDG in like S plus, and then I think uh, like. Top's probably there too, honestly. The more I'm thinking about it, and then I think like G2 and Dragon X are probably like in that next group, and then after that, I think there's a whole like six or seven teams that you could make arguments for. So, real realistically, I I I think it's it's just going to be one of those six teams. I don't really think anyone has a favorable shot at like 
if you had to look at these six, like let's just isolate these top six teams because I think that's kind of what we're talking about realistically here. I, I, who has like Dragon X probably has the least likely path to victory just because they've been a little inconsistent at times. But I also think Dragon X's ceiling is just ridiculous. So like if they just like show up and have an insane tournament, like it wouldn't surprise me to see them win even over like Dam One. Yeah, I think of the top six for me, I think actually G2 is probably my least likely to win. Yeah. Although it's kind of a similar situation. If they show up and, and they've figured this met out, then they might just become a favorite to win by the time playoffs roll around. But right now, I think I would have them sixth. Alan, what do you think? Like, So, like, who's least likely of these teams and why? Oh, I, I think I already put it out there. I, I don't really believe in Dragon X. Uh, so, I like, what see, don't you like about Dragon X? I'm just curious. I, I, I just could see the complete, like, IG-style meltdown from them when they're not getting, like, massive leads for themselves. I just don't – I don't know. What, what do you think of them? I, I think, you know, kind of what I mentioned, like, I, I think Dragon X lose to themselves a lot. Kind yeah. of like LGD and Invictus and like some of these other, you know, not really any of these other top six. G2 sometimes, I guess, but they kind of lose to themselves sometimes going too far off the deep end in drafts. But I think the talent's there. Like, I think they had, I think if you have a team where Deft is arguably your worst player, that's a pretty good problem to have, right? <laughs> like, think about that. I, I think. The other angle to think about here, and I, a lot of people haven't factored this in, they do have the two rookies, Piosik and Karia. This is going to be their first tournament, but Chovy and Doran have been here before. The whole Doran saga, that's a different thing. But Chovy and Doran have been here before. Their coach, C.B. Max, has been here before, and Deft has been here a number of times. So they have a good blend of experience, and I think, importantly, from the coaching angle, I think a lot of the uh, – it's interesting to me that C.B. Max like completely – has like his it's the same team as Griffin but they added season 10 like sauce to it like they're not they to me they CB Max fixed like the biggest problem he have he had which was that he was not as willing to be aggressive and they've changed that a lot like they are they're definitely willing to do that now and I don't know if that's just the new player thing or what but yeah, like the more I'm thinking about it, I actually think G2 probably are the least likely. I, I want to change my my from Dragon X to G2 just because. I mean, we've seen individual not performances here, and I I, don't, I think they're going to be able to get away with less against these teams than they are than they were in Europe. But I also kind of think that G2. It wouldn't surprise me to see G2 progressively improving over the course of the season. I think it's it's hard to, you know, isolate most of what we saw this year from them versus like the last you know month more or less. So I think that's definitely an interesting angle. Um, if none of us really think that anybody besides the top six is winning, like, I don't know. I don't know how we want to paint this conversation. What's the path to victory for like a couple? We'll say like, what's the path to victory for Sunning? Just like two sentences, one or two sentences. We'll do, we'll do like rapid fire. Like what's the path to victory for each of these teams and we'll go through them, right? I think for all these teams, it's actually kind of similar, which is I think they're all of them would have to have some sort of strategy or game plan that we haven't seen yet from them in order. Like, I don't think any of them can just play what we've seen so far and be competitive to win the championship. Yeah. And I obviously think like there's always the caveat of if just a player has that otherworldly, like an out-of-body tournament, that can happen. We've seen that before, right? 
where a player is just like, who was this guy? Like, where did this come from? That can happen at Worlds. That's what's kind of cool about it. Is it is just, it's a long tournament, but it is just a tournament, right? So, excluding just crazy overperformances, which we all know can happen, what's the the you know path to victory for like a lot of these middle of the table teams? Go ahead, Alan. I John already popped in, so. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably being ahead on the meta over any other team. So I'm not that into uh, coaches. I'm not familiar with with their experience levels and stuff like that. But if someone has a really good coach, a really respected coach, there could be, you know, a meta edge. Because it does seem like sometimes there are teams that come into Worlds and the meta is completely different than they expected it to be at Worlds. And then they're just done. You know, so it's if like Sooning gets a jump on the meta and SOFM's playing, you know, Hecarim every game, then I could see Sooning coming out on top. They're a good team. Yeah. And we've seen like, I mean, I guess like a, a kind of like a more localized example is like we saw Cloud9, right? How good was Cloud9? Yeah, they had their question marks, but generally how good was Cloud9 this season? And they just had a bad read on the metagame in playoffs and that lost them their, their world spot. I, I think... Obviously, there were issues individually. I think Sven played horribly in all but one series in the playoffs. I think that was a big part of why they they lost. But I didn't like their read on things. I liked the idea, but if you know, seeing how the metagame panned out for the playoffs worldwide, looking at Cloud Nine, it's like, what were you guys doing? This made no sense whatsoever. That can happen to anyone. Reaper is a respected coach. Reaper has a track record of being on the right side of these kind of things, right? So, I do think, like, that, Alan, like, that's probably the best point. Like, both of you guys made really good points about this. Like, if you just have a good read. I mean, Cloud9 a couple years ago at Worlds, they just had a good read in group stage and upset some people. With The the Vigar was an insane read against Azir. Nobody was doing that at the time, right? So, um, how about for, like, any of these really long shots? Is it the same kind of thing? Are they just going to have to cheese their way through groups? Maybe che- maybe they get through groups on, like, a cheese win or something, go 2-1... and one. Or, or, you know, or they go, like, 4-2 and two somehow, kind of like we saw with Adasnox Luna, and then, like, they catch an easy matchup from someone else that we didn't expect to win. I always say for these, for, like, the uh, lower-level teams, the best thing they can do is just play hyper-aggressive, I think. Yeah. Just really try to take the game out of skills' hands and into, like, playmaking and, and just, like, go in there and dive bot lane over and over again and just hope the other team's caught off guard by it. Those are the kind of things that I think can really take people out of the games. I mean, we saw Gigabyte Marines with the Super Farm Nocturne. So the weird stuff like that, I think that's it's probably their best shot, really. I think another thing that's interesting is, like, I think Season 10 now, like, more than any other season, I think that kind of, like, this season enables that. This patch has kind of moved away from that a little bit, but it's not that crazy for someone to just have a pop-off Nidalee game. And, like, most of the players at this tournament are good enough to do that. So... I wouldn't completely rule out like the Talons and Machis and Supermassives of the world because I think this this the the state of the game kind of enables that more than it ever has before. So um yeah, I think that's definitely interesting. Any like bigger I mean obviously we don't have group draws yet. That's going to impact a lot of these thoughts. But uh uh any other thoughts big picture any long shots you're taking here is uh or do you want to go into pick of the week? I know this is kind of a weird pick of the week this week. No, I mean I, I... The more I think about your TSM shout as, like, a super long shot, I, I don't hate it as much as I hate to say it out loud. Yeah. It's, uh, 
Because they're the only team in that range who has a player that you could at least make an argument for as like top 15, top 10 in the world, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe like the Mads uh, have a shout, Rogue has a shout there too, right? But uh, Beardson is, he's proven himself on the world stage multiple times. Uh, he just didn't have the teammates, right? So if Spika yeah. gets hot or whatever, you know, there is a little. There's a little value there, maybe. Yeah. I do think TSM's read on the current game is very good, but we're also getting a new patch, so it's going to be interesting to see how that impacts things. Like, if if Worlds happened on this patch, I actually think I actually like that as a, as a super long shot, like right now, because I think TSM did have a very good read on things. They play pretty much everything. They so TSM kind of went from being like that always mid range team, like FlyQuest and Liquid were doing too, to now they kind of have all these different angles of attack. They just kind of developed them because they got to play an extra 25 games, you know? So it was kind of a... I think the the long playoffs to get more sample size definitely paid off for them because, like, by the end of it, they hey, they were honed in. They knew. Um, I guess we'll just move on to pick of the week. Uh, so I'll, I'll recap last week while you guys are kind of picking these out. Obviously, pick of the week's a little bit different this time around with just futures. Uh, if you guys have any EU Masters picks, I think feel free to throw those out too. We didn't really uh, mention those, but if you've got any uh, lines on matches for this weekend or anything like that that you want to touch on, feel free. But I'll recap last week. Um, I had a parlay for... Uh, what was it? Oh, so I had uh, Team Liquid TSM over and KT Afrika over, uh, both over three and a half maps. Uh, the KT Afrika one, unfortunately, was a sweep, despite... KT probably having should have won two of those games, but damn it, <laughs> freak a three would um, That kind of blessed that open, so I got my first loss in a little bit. John had Team Liquid minus one and a half maps at plus one twelve. That whiffed. Um, Chris hits on a freak of KT under three and a half. He went against me, hits for plus two hundred two, so that's a nice payday for Chris. Um, Josh had his crazy parlay, which was the um, he had Liquid minus one and a half, Damn One Dragon X over three and a half maps at plus 205. That missed as well. And the listeners, compliments of at DFS underscore Chen, hit. Is it TF- uh, Let me double check, make sure I'm shouting the right person out. Yeah, DFS Chan. Yeah, at DFS Chan. That's right. Um, he had Damn One uh, map one first tower at minus 175. That was a hit. That's something I definitely played all three maps for, and it was profitable as well. So, uh,. You know, not a great week, but I think we broke even just because of um, Chris's plus money. Uh, no, it ended up being about even, roughly. So, um, moves us to plus 8.98 units on the year and a an even 56 and 56 record if we exclude the listeners and guests from the equation. So, where are we at for your pick of the week? EU Masters? World's Futures? What are we thinking here? I'm going with the quadrabet for Worlds. I think betting Gen G, Dragon X, G2, and Damwon is a really safe setup of four teams. Um, if you want something a little bit more generalized that's a little bit closer to now, I think betting Pompa team in any of their three games is reasonable in the upcoming EU Masters. They're 0-3. I think they're capable of beating any of the teams in their group. When they play We Love Gaming, they're like right about even money. All, all those seem like good bets, so uh, I think they're reasonable in any spot. Alan? Uh, I think I would go with uh, Kick Esports tomorrow against Shaka. They're plus one twenty-five, and Shaka's minus one seventy. I would have Kick Esports as the favorite in that match, so I I'll, I'll take them at plus money. 
sounds good. I'm going to go damn one just to win worlds. Uh, I haven't followed EU Masters enough to really have that much of a grasp on it, but I'm just going to go damn one plus 400 to win worlds. Obviously, shop around. You can find. I'm actually, I'm pretty confident that might be the best number out there. I would be shocked to see anything higher than that, but I guess we'll take a look around. All right, um, so that's going to be it for this week. We ran a little bit long, but we had a lot to talk about. Got through a lot of listener questions, a couple of which we will touch back on next week. Um, Alan, where can we find your uh, you know, your material? Oh, thank you, first of all, for letting me come on and plug this a little bit. Uh, I'm at LCSPicks on Twitter, and uh, I have a blog, LCSPicks.com, and then I write a little bit for LineMovement.com. My name's Alan Heffelfinger, so if you just search for me over there, sometimes I do betting breakdowns for League of Legends with them, and if not there, then I put it on Twitter or on my blog. So, yeah, thanks a lot for having me on, guys. Awesome. We'll have to do this again. This was fun. Um, any uh, any sign-offs? We usually we usually take this time on the podcast to talk about something not league-related. Uh, anybody got anything going on this week? A couple nice little, uh, nice little movie trailers in the last few weeks. Dune oh, coming yeah. out. Oh, uh, yeah, night. dude. It looks so big, good. Big Dune fan. And also, I thought the, uh, the new Batman giving us a serious Riddler to take the Jim Carrey taste out of my mouth uh riddler is probably my favorite uh like superhero comic book villain that there is so i'm happy that they're giving us like a serious version of riddler so i do love jim carrey though just didn't like that riddler as much i'm with you on that i've been watching uh lovecraft country on hbo you can watch it week to week right now it's uh jordan peele's show and and this stuff is is legit it's like a horror show but kind of campy and the actual horror is the racist history of america yeah. in every episode so it's it's a it's a really great show i'd recommend it to anybody there are like three episodes in now right yeah that's There's right fourth yep. one coming up this week i think yeah um i haven't gotten a chance to check in on that one yet but it has been like kind of on my list of things to watch for sure um you guys know I'm a big football fan. We got the NFL coming up, starting up tomorrow, which is just insane to me. Like, it's a, I, you asked me this two months ago, I didn't think it was going to be happening. What do we got there? Broncos? We Bronco team Broncos over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> dude, you know, you know how to, you know this how to do visual medium, <laughs> dude. You know how to do, uh, you know how to do Broncos first two weeks, right? Broncos home games first two weeks always a bet. Just yeah, lock it in, lock it in. They cover the spread. It's just an obscene. I think they've lost like twice against the spread in the last twenty years or something. Oh yeah, the, uh, the altitude, um, the altitude advantage. It's I'm crazy. too um, emotionally attached. <laughs> I can't bet on the Broncos. Yeah, so, plus we lost Von Miller for the season. Oof, so, yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm a, I'm a huge football fan. Um, I'll be you know dip my toe into that, but I'm I'm noticeably less dialed in than I usually am, just because quite frankly I didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, I'm still not sure how this is going to be. It's going to be weird. Um, the NFL is not bubbling like the other, like the NHL and and the NBA have, and there have been not that many incidents in those leagues, which is awesome, actually. So, you know, it sucks not having the fans in the stadiums or whatever, but uh, we've seen the other pro sports making this work, and hopefully we can, you know, get back to some sense of normalcy, at least a little bit of it, you know, in in the wake of all this stuff. Because uh, I do think it's kind of a sigh of relief to have at least something to, to distract us from a lot of the, the good and the bad that are that are happening in the world. And I think sports and esports are a good way to do that. So hopefully uh, this goes off without a hitch and there's not too many problems. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, 
yeah, I think that's it. Uh, you guys got anything else for this week? All right, cool. Alan, thanks for joining us. It was a pleasure talking to you. We'll have to do this again sometime. Um, next week, I think we're going to be looking uh, at play-in stage. We'll have lines and group draw for that, and we'll be able to talk about that in more detail. So we will see you guys next week. Everybody, good luck this weekend. Enjoy EU Masters. Enjoy the NFL. Watch your Lovecraft country. And everybody have a great weekend. The Gold Card Podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode.